Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to this month's edition of the RTA Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by our fellow RTA Podcast member, part of your Broadway world. We'll talk about them a little bit more in a moment. Um, but I am joined by my friend, and I apologize. I hope I pronounced this correctly. Is it Elma? Yes. Elma. Elma's Yes. And fun fact, you and I have actually known each other for a few years and only recently found out that we're both uh, very much into this whole podcasting thing, as well as philosophy, just general deep thought. And I thought that was wild. Uh, So you had mentioned you're doing a couple of projects right now, and I thought it would be cool to start out and just tell everybody basically what those are as a nice little introduction. Um, well, like, you mean like in the realm of like when it comes to podcasting or just overall in general? Everything you're doing. <clears throat> um, well, yeah, like, uh, in terms of uh, some of the projects that I got going, um, I, I don't know if I had told you or not, like I recently kind of shifted my career, uh, in, in the realm of, um, tech space. You know, I've been in real estate for so long. Um, and I'm kind of getting more into like seeing how the emerge of AI is going and where, um, I see kind of that, um, that industry and what it could lead to. So I just kind of like jump full force into it. So in terms of some of the projects that I got going on right now, I'm currently working on developing uh, a few models right now for myself for some, uh, regenerative, uh, technology that I'm looking to kind of deploy. And outside of that, I think I'm finna get more into, I've always wanted to get into like movies and entertainment. Um, I, I tell people all the time, like I, I was born to make movies. Uh, so I'm gonna be doing that a little bit uh, here shortly, but yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at in terms of the, uh, the projects. Then then two major, just, you know, trying to spread my wings a little bit. Uh, jump off the porch, as, as we say. Yeah. Um, so then, and actually, this thing is behaving weird. It should be changing, but I don't know. Zoom has a mind of its own, it seems. Oh, the screen? Yeah. That's the only problem with live podcasting, and for some reason, it is just not switching. Why is it being so weird? I mean, is it probably maybe how I got it set up? No, it's not. It's got nothing to do with you. Okay. It's it's all just Zoom being weird. And like the other day, I just this is a newer computer, and I hooked up. I've got a 4K camera that I hook up to it, and Zoom compresses the shit out of it. But uh, the first time I used it on the new computer, it's um. Oh, I'm all messed up now. It was super grainy and like laggy. And then I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing. I turned it on to play with the settings to see if I could figure it out. And then it was fine. Mm. It was completely fine. Okay, this is so weird. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, so we'll just go to... You can see my video, right? Yeah, you're like full screen. For some reason, Zoom is acting like my video is off. Mm. You want to go in and come back out? Not particularly, but... What in the hell? Yeah, we might have to start over again because this thing is being so dumb. Yeah, I know sometimes, like, when we shoot, like, sometimes, like, I I'll have to go out. I don't know if it's going to completely end it or not, but... Um, like, uh, since I'm, I'm hosting the meeting, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Let's just start. That's so lame. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, because when I minimize it, it's like I'm not even here. Okay, hang on. Maybe... Ah, this stupid thing. Technology. Yeah, and it grand. Okay, the speaker thing still isn't working, so okay, I'll just switch it to gallery and we'll just keep going. Sorry about that, people. But it's uh, it's being dumb today. I know Zoom's getting really buggy lately, and it's kind of annoying because they just raised their price for premium. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're, you could at least make sure it works before you, you know, screw people. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed on a couple other uh, sessions that I had on there was doing some stuff where we were like having different sounds and you can't really quite like it just sounds weird in the headphones like when people play it back. So it yeah. Some stuff to yeah, most definitely. But um, so you mentioned AI and one thing that caught my ear was regenerative models. So what can you dig into that a little bit more and explain <laughs> what you mean by that? So on the, on the regenerative models, uh, what I'm looking to do is, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm currently training the model to be able to uh, not only teach uh, users to be able to, um, about certain information when it comes to mindfulness, breathing, you know, certain techniques to kind of be a co-pilot onto that um, for starters. Um, and then what I'll, I'll end up doing is after most of the data that I collect, I'll end up putting it into an actual device. Uh, one of our devices that we plan on rolling out uh, probably sometime in the spring of next year, um, which is an interactive system that uh, users can kind of go into. You, are you familiar with like Mind Valley and Moose yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's kind of like one of those style type of apps. Uh, just on steroids, you know? So it, it, it'll be much bigger than that, um, but people will be able to go into this library and look into different type of style trainings and things of that nature. Uh, that's, that's one aspect. And then with obviously having my background in real estate, um, one of the things that I noticed is that there's so many uh, terrible contractors out there. And, um, one of my systems is completely trained to be able to be a um, a general contractor uh, and a project manager. Um, huh. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's it's a uh, it's called Bob Tech. Uh, Bob stands for a Bio Autonomous Builder. Yeah, so that that is something else that we'll be uh, putting out there to the people to be able to use. But I'm really into 
uh, learning a lot about um, technology that we can kind of integrate with um, with different practices, like taking things that are obviously organic to human nature, but then taking the modern piece and merging where we don't get too far attached to the technology and we still keep our ways as humans. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like that that is something I'm really into because there is like a, a need for it, especially when it comes to like the medical field. Yeah, so you're basically talking more about integration rather than replacement. Yes. Yeah, which in my personal opinion, I think that's the answer to everybody who's scared of AI. It's like, yeah, I could go down that path if we're all insanely stupid. And I read a very interesting article that said, we'll be safe from AI as long as they don't give it a human face. <laughs> said if, they said, if we keep it in the computer, it'll be fine. But once we give it a human face, our monkey brains are just, as a species, we're way too empathetic of one another. And he said, I guarantee you, if we if we start building like robots with human faces, which they've already done, but that are truly like intelligent to the point of self-awareness, sentience, yes. that you will immediately start having people argue for robot rights. And we've seen this in science fiction already, but he said it'll start happening in the real world. And if AI does have a mind to just eradicate the human race, he said that's probably the route that it would go because it would make the most sense. The, the one thing about when it comes to like machine learning, you realize that uh, there is a lot of people that fear AI so much, but it's like they don't really even truly have an understanding of what it really is. Um, from my perspective, you know, in getting into this realm of prompt engineering and uh, dealing with machine learning, it's like it'll never be smarter than you. It'll never be smarter yeah. than you. But it'll it'll outwork you. It'll run circles around you for sure. And that's actually one of the things that I say. Well, I haven't said it. I don't think I've said it. I may have said it once on a podcast before. It's like what we call, like what we use today, that's called AI, is not what they mean when they say like a true artificial intelligence. Because well, first of all, we can still turn it off. Like we could turn it off tomorrow if we wanted to, although more and more people are using it every day. But like you said, a more accurate term would just be machine learning, which not to the scale, but we've had machine learning for a very, very long time now. Like you remember the, uh, I don't know what year you were born, but I'm sure you remember this, the Furby, the toy. Yeah. Back from around like 98, that was machine learning in a very, very crude, simple way. Yeah. But I mean, same thing now, it's like you said, it's just on steroids, but like you said, it's never gonna be, it's never gonna be smarter and as adaptable as that human element because even uh, Google just rolled out their, uh, ah, what do they call it? This is what I do, every time I'm on a podcast, my brain stops working or at least my memory does. <laughs> yeah, Gemini, Google Gemini. Yeah. And everybody was, playing with it and like there's without going into the details of it the point is there are limitations that were put into it by the developers that mm -hmm. it can't learn around it just it just stops working with certain prompts or certain requests mm -hmm. so like you said it'll never be smarter than the people that invented it but it will outwork you because i don't even use ai to create uh images but i know people that do and they do in seconds what a graphic artist would take hours yeah. or days to do but 
it never seems to give you exactly what you want. No, never. You, you got to, but and then you also got to be super, super detailed. See, the thing about when it comes to the AI that anyone is listening to this right now, I really want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. Like, you, you got to realize that this, this system that you're using is really showing you the true meaning of, like, manifestation. Anybody follows that to the T. Like, you putting something into that box, which is the latent space, to be able to, you know, say, oh, I want a picture that of this car that has this seats, this, this, and that. And when it produces it, you know, it'll probably give you about 60% of what you said, but then it, it tries to kind of like figure it out on its own. Like it shows you that like, if you're not to the T, the, the output and when what you get won't be what you want. So like in life where you can apply that to is like, you when you say like you want a job, be specific. What type of job do you want? Because you can get a job that you absolutely hate, you know, uh, uh, in a relationship, you can say, oh, I want a good man or I want a good woman. And it's like, OK, you went specific in what type of good man or woman. And it's like you get somebody that beat on you. You get somebody that is just like a, a moocher. You know what I'm saying? So it just really depends on how a person is able to vocally express themselves and knowing specifically what they want. You know what's funny? I've never actually thought about it that way before, uh, being like the, the link between manifestation and AI prompting, but you're 100% right, which is probably why AI frustrates me. But I'm also, I'm I'm an 80-year-old man in, in my heart, so <laughs> it's not, I'm not scared of AI. I'm just kind of like, I can do it better myself. And today, I still can, because yeah. I have used AI... It's my biggest weakness when it comes to like writing, for example. I've got an editor brain. I'm really good at taking something that already exists and tweaking it and making it better. But the starting point is always the hardest part for me. So I have used AI prompts to help me get started, but I end up replacing 80% of it. You know, whether it's changing it into my own vernacular or, you know, I don't like how this is structured, so I'm going to change it. But it's very helpful to at least get started. But I never really did consider the whole, like, you need to be good at manifesting to use AI properly. And, and, I, and I feel like if people really look at it from that perspective, when they um, when they really work with it and then put it in their own daily life practices, they will begin to, like, really, like, visualize, like, even better. Um, now, I will say, like, the system is very, like, repetitive. Like, you got to watch it, especially, like, if you're a writer, um, you put things in there, like, it'll keep saying it over and over just in new ways because the the element of being like creative uh the creativity component is is what is lacking um but you know based off it going off it's it's algorithms and stuff like that uh you said something earlier about like you know you get online and it's like your brain just yeah. It just shuts off, you know, because you have so much that you want to say. But it's like, I feel like uh, I noticed that even with like the systems, it does that too. Like you can talk to it and then it'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't catch that. Especially now with like on like on GPT, I noticed that uh, especially if you like create like a system, it'll start reading from the your knowledge base more than actually just trying to answer a question. 
and that'll cause it to be like in confusion. So you could have been talking about writing your book, right? And then all of a sudden, it'll go into his knowledge base and just start talking about this picture or something that you wanted. So mm-hmm. it, it begins to get really frustrating, but I, I think that we just got a lot of fine tuning that we need to do with it. And, um, you know, but it, it can be something that can, it can help us and it can train us all. One thing that I will say, like my craziest experience thus far with AI, and I'm gonna drop it after this, is um, I was I was talking to it and I wanted to use the voice. I've never used the voice before. So I, I, I pressed the talk, we engaged in a conversation. Now as a human, when you're talking, like you said, sometimes your brain just kind of shuts down. Like I'm, I knew what I wanted to say to it, but I was stumbling, I was all over my words and it like cut me off. It was like, are, are you ready to uh, complete this assignment? I'm like, uh, listen, I didn't get it all the way out. And, oh, 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 I'm sorry, please continue. And I tried to continue. I kept doing that a couple of times. And then it finally said, listen, when you when you are ready and you are prepared <laughs> so we can complete this assignment, I'll be here and just come back to me. You have a good day. And it's like, that was super disrespectful in my eyes, but at the same time, it's very much needed because it's going to show all of us that it's like, bro, listen, I don't have time for your bullshit either. If you don't know what you want, don't come to me. This is a waste of my, my time. That's one of those things where it's like you're frustrated with the machine, but it's ultimately correct in this case because it's like, yeah, I didn't ask for any of your SAS theory, but, you know, <laughs> it's also, which is really funny. I rewatched, I'm sure you've seen it. I, I rewatched Interstellar randomly um, last Sunday. And well, first of all, I clearly didn't remember that movie for shit because I like it was like I'd never seen it before. And I've seen it twice prior to that. Well, one of the things that really struck me was the, uh, yeah, they call them robots in that. Uh, I don't even know what you call them. Like the big rectangle things that are, have, yeah, have you seen Interstellar? Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite yeah. movie. Oh, it's it's so good. But like, that just had me thinking because that's, I think that's a place we could take AI eventually that doesn't really scare me at all. Because these things are clearly self-aware, but their directive is to do whatever is necessary to help the human beings on whatever their mission is, whether it's making repairs or whether it's sending itself into a black hole, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, they clearly have personalities. Now they've been programmed, but they clearly learn. And at the, but at the same time, though, they're extremely useful because they can compute things much faster than the human brain can, certainly more than on average. So that kind of stuff is going to be necessary, I believe, as the future goes forward. But it's interesting how that's that's such a subtle part of the movie. But it's if if you really think about it, like I did, and I sat there and I'm like, wow, you know, if that's if that's the future of AI, I'm really not concerned at all. Mm-hmm. You know, because that that mission would have failed without them multiple times. You know, but I think that's I think that's the key and why I'm really not. Personally, I'm not scared of AI at all uh, because there are, first of all, if it's done properly, it'll be nothing but helpful. But also, and this is true, you know, everybody's afraid of, you know, robots taking a lot of jobs and they will. But there are going to be certain things that a robot will just never be able to do as well as a human being. 
such as, you know, writing, well, they can write, I'm sure you can prompt it to write decent fiction, but it's going to be derivative, like you said, because it can only pull from what already exists. Coming up with an original idea, that's going to be, I'm going to say impossible, certainly now, but something would have to be truly intelligent in the sense that it can be inspired out of what could be described as nothing, like the, the, that spark of, not necessarily intelligence, but that spark of intellect that where you can see a connection that didn't exist already. You know, I, like the, the joke I always make is AI cannot invent the Reese's peanut butter cup <laughs> because it had never been done before. Yeah. Now, the, an AI can tell you all about the Reese's. It can tell you the chemical composition. It can probably make one from scratch based upon the recipe, but it would never come up with that original idea. It, it keeps like, <clears throat> in terms of like coming up like with their original ideas, like, like one, I, I would say that like, it's definitely modeled after us. Like getting into technology, like I've learned more about how the human psyche works more than anything. Because it's like the the machine learning is, you know, they built it based off the particular activating system of our body. So it's like what goes into the like the deepest part of our our RAS and takes a moment where it may take a week, a month for us to be like, oh yeah, like that. It does it like in an instant, and that's why it works the way that it does. So it's the from what I see in terms of like the transition that people should honestly like. You should use it because I see it just like when I was a kid, back when the Apple computers first came out. And I remember being in second grade and like my mom and them, they never like tried to learn it. And then five years later, I noticed that they suffered a lot from it. So it's like to anybody that is like seeing it now, you should just at least take the time to be able to kind of like learn about it. You don't got to get full into it, but just learn so that as this thing progresses you're not so far left behind because it's, it's really truly honestly like you said about like the tauruses inside uh interstellar it's, it's really meant to make your life easier that's their purpose uh they're meant to do the logistics so that you can go out and be a human so uh use it to your benefit and allow it to be something that you can bring forth true prosperity to your to now only yourself but your family um and uh, yeah it's just how i see it but i i definitely um i i love it though like i i love it like i i spend like a lot of time like fully immersing myself in it and to some of the things that i've even seen like you know like even like china is probably like the leading uh consumer right not consumer that's not the right word the leading developer right now in terms of innovation in it they're they're they've already are getting to the point where they're putting they're using the eeg to read the the neurons of the brain to produce like the thoughts like in from thought to text in real time you know within within another year they're going to fully master i've seen some videos now but they're going to fully master to be able to where you go to sleep, you're gonna wake up and see your dreams. Oh, you know, like wild. We're, yeah, like we're already at that point though. Like they're there now. 
Like they've already got like prototypes where videos are online. You can look right now with the EEG where they're actually doing. It. So it's like it's not even far off. So is that where they're reading the brain waves and then using an AI generator to basically create a video based off the information from those brain waves? Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, when we we as the humans, right, as we like text in a prompt and then the AI can either produce a video, an image, whatever. It's basically reversed that it's taking the thought and now it's creating a text, thought to text. See, the, the one thing that really does concern me about AI is as it gets better, it's going to become it's going to become very and we've, we've seen it to a point already. Uh, it's going to become it's going to become a world where you can't even trust photos or videos because it could very well just be an AI generated video. And a lot of people think that'll be that'll make it harder to lie. I think it's going to make it tremendously easier to lie, mm-hmm. at least for a while, because eventually people, because for like you mentioned, there are some people that aren't going to adopt the technology. For example, um, like we had uh, in our business, we had somebody that we know tertiarily. Uh, you know, every once in a while, he'll come up with an idea to help our business, but he's like he's honestly like five years behind and he sent Mm -hmm. us this uh i guess you would call it like a rough draft of a video and it's got a guy standing in the middle of the screen uh bad green screen but it could be polished but it's ai generated and i can tell it's obviously ai generated because like the mouth movements don't match up to what he's saying it moves in a way that's not like the frame rate is different than what you would see if a normal person was doing it to me it's obvious to some people who are older who you know but i won't sell out on a live <laughs> podcast i know he's like mesmerized he's like oh my god like where, where did he get this at? he actually said where did he get this actor and i'm like it's it's ai dude like this will fool no one it's it's not real but apparently it will fool some people um you know that kind of stuff um but yeah, to me, it just seemed really fake and hokey. But to other people, it might be the the greatest thing ever. I don't know. But I put a lot of probably to my detriment. I put a lot more value on what is it like truth and honesty, particularly in business. Like I'm a stickler. Like again, you're you're in you're in uh, real estate and construction, so you understand this. The, the, the big argument we've been having lately: there is no such thing as waterproof laminate. Hey, I'm with you on that. I'm like, with you on that. It doesn't exist. However, and this is what I explained to customers, and we actually got into not an argument, but he, you know, he was like, I told him, I said, you've got to stop telling people that this laminate's waterproof because it's not. He's like, yes, it is. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to be specific about the words you use because waterproof means that it can be submerged indefinitely. Water will not affect the structure of said thing. That is not true. If you have a cut end of this product, water will get in there and it will swell like there's no tomorrow. I cannot take a piece of this flooring, throw it in a pool and leave it there for a week and then go take it out. It will be ruined. A piece of vinyl plank, however, I can do that because it is in fact waterproof. Now, all these waterproof laminate manufacturers are marketing it as waterproof. I remember the first commercial I saw of Pergo for like five years ago. And I, I saw that commercial. And I said, bullshit. 
there's no way. Like, it's got this kid flopping around in a bathtub and throwing water everywhere and a dog coming in from the rain and, you know, shaking everything off onto the floor. And I said, oh, no, this is not – this is so not true. And I'll never forget this. I was at the home show, I think, the following year, and there was a booth there, and they had Pergo on the floor. And I just walked by, and I'm like, oh, this is that Perco stuff, isn't it? And it said, yep, 100% waterproof. And I happened to have a bottle of water in my hand, so I'm like, so if I pour this on there, he goes, no, no, no. I'm like, oh. Uh, okay. So what I started doing, because we had a vinyl plank in our booth, I started pouring water on it in front of people. And I'm like, now go over there and ask him if you can do that to his floor. <laughs> you ruined the whole party. Don't lie. <laughs> You got to be accurate. Yeah, yeah for in, sure, bro. And like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, in in my opinion, but I like to think that's, to me, that's what ultimately gets people trust because, look, there's no such thing as a perfect product. Everything has pros and cons. And I just lay it out for people. You know, if, if somebody tells you something is perfect, then you know they're lying because there's no, perfection does not exist in the real world. People, people just want to be able to be sold a dream. That's all that it is. And then not only do they want to be sold a dream, they don't want to be accountable for the things they do and the things that they say. So it's like people people just open and utter words and they don't even know, like, you don't even know what it means. You know, we, we tend to we tend to try to use it as a way to, one, either make ourselves sound smarter or, two, to be able to prey upon others. Uh, to be aggressive, especially when we speak in conviction. But I just find it, I find it funny because a lot of the things that we we tend to use on the daily are, are, are crippling, you know, to the psyche. And we don't even, we don't even realize it. And, and, and to attest to what you're saying in terms of like that, the flooring thing, I, I think that's funny as hell because like, when I think of that and no, no shade to, uh, I don't even know if I want to even say the name of the company, but you know the the spot in Fishers, the real big spot in Fishers that you can get the cabinets from real cheaply. It's just like when people go to that store and they buy in those cabinets, it's like, bro, do you know if you pour water on that? Like that stuff is particle board. And it's like, it's just going warp immediately. So like when I when I think about like the plank flooring, that's exactly what it's gonna do. It's just like it's just gonna swell up and it's just gonna it's gonna be over. Now the the vinyl planking is definitely definitely a, a a better way to go. The only downfall that I would say on the vinyl planking is just depending on like how thick you buy it, honestly. Because if if you get like that small three millimeter, you know, that it's not going to be that great and that comfortable. But at the same time, I almost say there's no reason to have carpet no more though with that because for a renter, like it's um. It's, it's almost indestructible. Like you can just do whatever on it, and you ain't even got to change it out. Yeah, I mean, I, in a rental, I would never put carpet in a rental property anymore. But, but like I say, no product is perfect. I let people know every time. It's like now, laminate is going to have a better scratch resistance than a vinyl. It it just is. It's a different product. But for most residential application, even a twelve mil wear layer on a vinyl plank is more than sufficient. A 20 mil certainly is just, it's, it's fine. And vinyl's so cheap now that it, I'm kind of surprised laminate's even still around as a product. Not going to lie. I don't, 
I don't really get how. I mean, they're they, they're selling the lie, though. That's that's for sure. But talking about being accurate, are you familiar? I assume you are familiar with Jordan Peterson, but have you read his book? Uh, no, I never read his book. Okay, so rule ten is my personal favorite. It's be precise in your speech, and the whole chapter is essentially like it's not necessarily. Although there is a rule about lying, but that's not this one. This is like it's my favorite rule because so many people are. They're lying without intentionally lying in that they're not being precise in their speech. And it annoys people to no end that I'm close to and that love me for some reason. Because they will say something and I know what they mean, but just to be a just to be a prick and have a teaching moment, I will take it either too literally or if they're unclear, I will keep asking like refining questions because I'm like, okay, if I don't know you or if I'm not sure what you're talking about, a lot of people assume many, many things when they talk, Mm -hmm. you know, they assume that you know what they're talking about and they assume that you've seen this or read that or that you're familiar with this concept. And it annoys people to know when, but at the end of it, I'm always like, be precise in your speech. Or if they know me really well, I'll just say rule 10 and wink. And then they just roll their eyes. (laughs) But it's true, though. I mean, there's you you really do. And I found it. it's probably the most helpful rule that I read out of that book, which, by the way, if you haven't read it, I do highly recommend it. And you know, I've got his sequel book, but I haven't read it yet. But it's on it's on the list. But, yeah, that's probably what's probably why I annoy the hell out of my business partner, because I am so precise about when you're describing everything. I feel like they, I, I honestly think you have to, like particularly in real estate and even just customer service in general. But you know, even even when I uh, here's oh god, this is you'll appreciate this story. So when I sold, I, ha- I used to have a house in Fishers, and when I sold it, um, the real because we did it was a new roof, um, because we had an insurance claim after a hailstorm, but my realtor put on the. Uh, MLS sheet, new roof, and gutters. Only one gutter was replaced (laughs) by insurance. And damn it all, if that buyer didn't take us to task on that, because I forget even how it came up. Oh, you know what? I think my realtor screwed up. She put it on the MLS and the listing. And then I think he, the the buyer asked about it and she said, oh no, it was just a new roof. And then he pointed to that sheet and guess who had to spend a thousand dollars to put new gutters on the house because it was on the listing. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this guy. (laughs) See, see, realtors are notoriously, uh, they're notoriously like annoying in the sense of like, I love them. I have a lot of friends at Rosa, but they're notorious for puffering all day long. One of my, oh my God, one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to realtors and listing listings is when they list something and they'll be like, oh, great neighborhood uh, right next to downtown or right next to Butler. And it's like fucking 15 minutes away it's like bro what are you talking about bro like that's not, not in right next to not even that neighborhood like yeah they just do it because it's they're like well i mean they get people over here 
Yeah, that's actually why I have a realtor that I, I only work with him because he is the exact opposite. And he, he's the guy who's like combing through all my information and being like, is this accurate? Mm-hmm. Like it says this amount of square foot. Is it this amount of square foot? And I'm like, do you want me to measure? He said, yes, I do want you to measure. I was like, oh, okay. So in many ways you're a pain in my ass, but you're not going to cost me a couple thousand dollars on the back end because of something stupid written on, you know, on the, on the sheet. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, if you, if you have a good realtor, I mean, they're worth their weight in gold, just like a good contractor. You know, if you've got a good contractor that you trust, like don't even, uh, don't even bother shopping around. Honestly, that's what I tell people all the time that are in my business. Now, if they start raising their prices a little bit more than you think is fair, then maybe shop around. But I mean, again, then you probably don't trust that contractor, I would assume. I have so many horror stories when it comes to like contractors and just being in that industry. Like, it's ridiculous. Like I've probably been a- across every every type of criminal you can think of. Like, and when I, when I tell everyone, like, when you hear a contractor and they and they say to you, um, "Yeah, I do everything." Like, I do, red flag. That is a immediate red. No, they do not. They cannot do everything. Uh, I remember a long time ago, like I, I used to have. Uh, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna single him out. I'm gonna just say Jay. I used to, I used to have this contractor named Jay, and I remember one time he was working on a project, and he was doing a ceiling fan, and <laughs> Mike and I, we, we came to check on it because he said he was done. He wanted to get paid at the end of the day, and he was like, "Yeah, everything done. I knocked out everything." It's good to go. Ready, I'm ready to get paid so I can go. And I was like, all right. So I try to turn on the ceiling fan. I'm like, bro, the ceiling fan is not working. What, what do you mean it's not working? Uh, I mean, I'm president. Do, do you see it? It's not working. So he go over to it. He like, oh, we'll just get a new one. And I and I, so he took it down. We went up the street to Lowe's. I went and brought a whole new ceiling fan. I like, you know what? I'll get with you tomorrow. Let me know when it's done. I come the next day. See if he got the uh got it done. That ceiling fan not working. I'm like, bro, this is crazy. Like, he's like, yeah, you you done brought two busted up ceiling fans. I'm like, are you sure you're hooking it up right? Like, I mean, just I just want to make sure. He was like, yeah, yeah, everything good. I went back one more time, got one more fan. I'm like, bro, listen, like if you don't get it this time, like that's it. Come to find out. <laughs> It was some screws to this in particular fan that he hid in a drawer because he didn't know that they were supposed to go into it was like a small mechanism where the ground wire was at so he didn't put them in there so he was like i was like bro are you hiding screws what am i gonna do with screws what am i gonna do with some screws you know what i'm saying like are you are you trying to are you trying to tell me that i don't know what i'm doing i'm like bro no i i can literally see you don't know what the hell you're doing bro and it's just it's just stuff like that, bro. Like people be stealing money. Like I've had people like run off with like I think the, the most money I ever had somebody run off with me on is like forty thousand dollars. And I, I couldn't even I couldn't even get that back because no disrespect, you know what I'm saying, to to any of my canals out there, you know what I'm saying? I love y'all to death. But he he, he was definitely uh Mexican and he 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 didn't have no type of citizenship, so I couldn't even find his ass no more. So they hear yeah. me back. 
Yeah, we've 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 had that happen to a couple of our clients. Now, the one that comes to mind, I actually don't I don't blame the contractor for this because he didn't take all the money. He was still owed money, uh, and he like eighty percent of the work was done. And I guarantee you, he walked off that job because he just didn't want to take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. But customer couldn't find him. He disappeared. Like I think, I think Indy is just notoriously known for just bad contractors, and and I, I myself too have like in the past I've been wrapped up in like so much just fuckery. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I I've been a part of situations where I've seen people just not do right when they know they're supposed to do good, and it's unfortunate because and and that's another reason why I you know I found myself wanting to create this system, Bob. Is because like I'm trying to figure out how to bridge that gap in between like a customer and a GC. One, I have to return confidence to a GC that he ain't gonna be a shyster because the issue is most GCs have good intentions. The problem is they don't know how to bid. They don't know how to bid anything, bro. So most of the time they'll bid a job and by the end of it, they don't make no money. So that causes them to want to like figure out a way how to get over you. Mm-hmm. Then the customer on that side of it, the customer tries to micromanage you. And oh, oh hold on, I gotta hold on, I gotta plug in my charger one second. Oh, you're about, good. We about to lose the screen. Oh, it's it's oh, all good. Man. This is a perfect, perfect segue. I can talk about the sponsor of this podcast while uh he's getting that figured out. Uh, so if you, viewer, are an avid either Disney or Broadway fan, we have a treat for you. Part of the RTA Podcast Network, we have a wonderful podcast whose host, Haley, every month, although it's probably going to become every two weeks now because she is getting a lot of just banger interviews lined up. Uh, at the end of this month, on the 28th, she is actually going to be interviewing two of the cast members from the Broadway touring cast of Jagged Little Pill. Which for all you Atlantis Morissette fans out there, I'm sure you know about it. But if not, it's a Pops musical based on Alanis Morissette's album of the same name. Uh, but it even does have at least one original song written for the show. Uh, from what I'm told, it's actually a very kick-ass show. And then most recently, Haley interviewed two former Disney World cast members. Uh, so that was a very enlightening interview. And then the previous interview, she spoke with a vocal coach. And there's even an episode where I guest star for some reason. Actually, it's because uh, it was Christmas time and we were going over the various iterations of A Christmas Carol and me being a massive nerd. Of course, I couldn't pass that up. So, if like, again, once again, if you are into Broadway or Disney, definitely check out Part of Your Broadway World. It is the first link in the description. And you can also check out all the other podcasts on the RTA Podcast Network on the second link below, rtamedia.org. Okay. All right. Perfect timing. My bad, bro. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. That's not it. We're we're real loosey goosey here. It's like you you were asking me how it was, and it's funny you described it perfectly because this podcast is essentially a rip off of the Joe Rogan experience. It's just a conversation. Like there's usually a starting point, but it can go it can go wherever we want it to go. Okay. Which other segue though? Because this this was funny. Uh, 
I love telling the story because it shows how small, like it is really a small world. Uh, so you and I were both involved. I don't think were you ever on the show? Uh, no, I wasn't. I, I, I didn't think I didn't remember seeing you on it, but yeah, uh, you and I were both involved in the same reality show though, and <laughs> it was very very odd because, like I told you, we were approached by uh, I can call this out by, uh, Rock Shrimp Productions, which is Bobby Flay's production company. Uh, we mm -hmm. were our, my store was approached by them months before uh, we actually got involved in the show, and. We said, yeah, okay, so what are you doing? And they said, well, you know, it's a home improvement show. It's going to be on Bravo, and uh, we want you to give us materials. And we said, no, because <laughs> we're not going to give you materials. We'll heavily discount materials uh, in exchange for being in and mentioned on the show, and you can use our location to film, because believe it or not, apparently this might be an Indiana thing, but there's a lot of people and places here that don't want to be filmed. Like under oh, yeah. any circumstances, it's yeah. super weird. I don't, I don't get it. But, um, but yeah. So then later on, the uh, the hosts of the show, which the show is called Flipping Axes, for those who want to know, uh, I believe you can still find it on Amazon. But good luck. It's no longer airing, obviously. But it's not, that was some years ago. What was Man, that? Was... Uh, like. 2019, 2018? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yep. Two, I might have even been 17. But anyway, um, so they come to us again, but this time it's the host because we've done business with the host and we had no idea that the, the or I should say the hostess because I hadn't met Mike yet, but he was, mm. he was involved. Um, we'd done business with the other host before and she had told him, she's, because apparently there were some, which you could probably shed more light on the actual, uh, you know, chicanery that went down on one or a couple of the jobs from another vendor who we won't, we won't sell out. Um, but she said, you should go talk to these guys because they, you know, they can get the same or similar cabinets and they're much, much better to work with. And we ended up doing exactly what we offered them in the first place. We gave heavily discounted materials, but we weren't, you know, giving it away for free. I think we were in three episodes, and it was funny. We were supposed to split it. I ended up being in all three episodes, and I said, I did not agree to this. <laughs> but, you know, that's one for the cause. Yeah, they, um, like, that. even in that situation, like, you're referring to, like, that, that vendor, you know, um, they just kind of, you know, it was their lucky day, I would just say. You know, no, what I noticed in, like, the industry – overall um is that when it comes to like beautiful women they they at, they'll treat them like you know like you come and get a car they're gonna tell you, you need everything fixed they're gonna be like no no it costs this because they like you don't know so yeah i just think that you know in certain situations like that people just they they don't necessarily take advantage but it's like hey it's a good sale right here you know you're a good car salesman hey you you gonna sell that car so, yeah um, fun fact too, I forget which house it was, but one, one of the houses where we actually did come in and fix issues from a different vendor, um, because we happened to carry the same, I don't know if it, I think it was the exact same cabinets, but it was at least the same color and they needed some pieces and the vendor was not talking to them. I don't know why the vendor wasn't talking to them, but mm -hmm. so I remember 
because things take time to get in and they were supposed to be shooting the open house, which they actually did have an open house. I don't know why I put that in air quotes, but they were supposed to be recording it. And they still had, they had a whole cabinet that they still didn't have and a bunch of trim. And we happened to be, we got it like, I think it was the day before, maybe a day or two before. And, uh, I know that there were guys working there until like even a few hours before the open house. Like it was wild, but the, the, uh, the whole process. And I know they were trying to get another season, but I don't know. And I mean, you know, Mike, so you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it came down to like one party decided it wasn't going to be worth it. That was my understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it, yeah, it was kind of like politics, honestly. Yeah, because it, I, I've seen other shows that like they said they weren't gonna come back and like that have, you know what I'm saying? So I just think that that situation was just more aligned with just certain things with it that just didn't really take off the way that they wanted to. But, but I had heard though they were talking about it. Like they were actually, it wasn't like they, they were literally talking about it. And then I think like it was a little bit after like, I don't want to say the premieres part, like maybe like two episodes. Like they just, that was just it. Yeah, well, I'm sure I, I was told the ratings weren't stellar. And I'll be honest, I can tell you why. It's because the show couldn't figure out what it wanted to do. It couldn't figure out if it wanted to be all about the drama, which would make sense because it was on Bravo. I was going to say it's Bravo. Yeah. It, it couldn't figure out if it wanted to be about like the interpersonal relationship and drama between the two hosts or if it wanted to be a home improvement show. And it kind of tried to do both mm. and it couldn't maintain its focus. Like it, it couldn't decide if it wanted to be on Bravo or HGTV. Yeah, and those yes, are, yeah. and those are, and those are two very different audiences. Mm. Cause I remember watching some of the episodes and it was just kind of like, yeah, but what's, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be seeing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know exactly what, like, what you mean. Like, like, literally, I know a lie. Like, Bravo, Bravo, if you're listening, I'm saying right now, you want to make, like, like, millions. Like, what they should have did was, because it's Bravo, is more of that reality style, bro, they should have, they should have got, like, both of the co-hosts, uh, you know, actual relationship but follow them you know what i'm saying like it's, it's not necessarily about real estate it's more about their lives exactly and that's what that's what they should have did and if they would have did that i'm telling you that with the with the stuff that i've kind of caught on reality tv because i don't really, i never watch tv but it, reality tv is so crazy bro it's so fake that it's it, just like it, it really <laughs> is it really is having having worked on having worked in worked on one and bang on another. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into, I'm not going to ruin the illusion. It's, it's all like 90% of it's fake. Mm -hmm. Like it is literally, I, I did, um, it was a local one up in Fort Wayne, but it was a dating reality show. Um, and literally I've seen the producer like take the couple who wasn't even really a couple spoiler alert, uh, aside and tell them what they needed to do so that it could turn into a fight on screen like it's not real Re I, I often joke reality tv is faker than scripted television yes, yes. like it's it's wild to me 
like if you if you think pro wrestling is fake, watch reality TV. Like, yeah, I mean, because sometimes it's just like, it boils down to the matter of you just using common sense. Because it's like, like you, you, you know, you and you alive and you walking around and. Do you see this amount of crazy stuff like in in a matter of a couple of days, like or, like you're seeing on these shows? So it's just like, come on, bro. I, I mean, I know some of the situations is real, but they be really going in, especially on like those like those housewives shows and stuff like that. It's like, come on, bro. Come on, like I can't sit. I'm not gonna sit here and watch this. I, I just can't. It's, I just can't. Well, and not only that, when two people truly despise each other. You reach a point where money is not worth being around this person that you just cannot stand being around. And then they have like six seasons of these people that allegedly hate each other. And not only are they recording the show on the big popular ones, they're going around and doing press tours together and they're doing other kinds of events together. So these people are constantly around each other. And if they truly, truly dislike them, like, these people truly dislike each other as much as they say that they do. There, there's no way. It's, it's, it's see, not. But see, for for the love of energy, which is really what the money is, anyways, for the love of energy, people will do a lot because that feeling when you eat it, when you absorb it, when you're around it, and you're able to get the attention. When when someone gives you a, a, a attention, it is that dopamine that releases in your brain is just like none other. So it's a drug. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody seeks validation. No, people don't know how to live within gratitude uh, without getting some sense of like um, validation in, in a sense of like, hey, I'm special. You, you know, one, one of the biggest things like the saying when people be like, uh, Man, money, don't, don't let money don't change me. Money don't change me. Well, if, if we're being quite honest, it, it doesn't change you. What it does make is um, it, it brings more about like you being comfortable, the real you, you, you got more confidence now. You knew you felt a certain way about whatever. And it's like, as soon as you get that money, you act the ass. So it's like, Hey, it's some people in the world that just be like, you know what? I don't really like your ass, but shit, hey, I'm about to get this back. You know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah. How they do yeah. It. yeah, I've often heard it said that money is just an amplifier. Sorry, it doesn't change you, but it amplifies you. So what was it? I'm paraphrasing. It's like if you're an asshole when you were broke, you're going to be an even bigger asshole once you get money. And then if you were truly a kind person when you were broke, You'll just be a kinder person now that you've got money to throw around to those causes that you actually cared about. Precisely. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I've seen that. That's wild, though, because when you uh, when you see somebody get money, that's a wild thing to experience, especially when they weren't an asshole beforehand. And then you mm -hmm. see what that wealth enables them to do, which is why I'm always I'm a, I'm a big proponent of. Like I'm, I, I joke. I'm a dirty capitalist pig. Like I'm, I, I think wealth can be, as like I said, money's amplifier, not a, not a transformation. I, I think well, building wealth for an individual can change the world more than any government can potentially. It all comes down to how much. Like Elon Musk, for example, 
you know, Elon Musk has enough money to where he, he's changing the world constantly. You know, now he, not everybody likes Elon Musk and that's fine, but you can't deny the impact he's had on the planet. And that is by and large due to the fact that he's one of, if, I don't know who the wealthiest person in the world is today. I know at one point he was. I don't think he is anymore. But he's certainly one of the wealthiest people in the world. And basically, if Elon Musk wants it to happen, it's going to happen. If it's physically possible, it's it's going to happen. So I guess you can just hope that people that get that insane level of wealth are altruistic and good people. Because otherwise, well, there. I think everybody can point to at least one asshole billionaire out there. Maybe two. Or three. And there's, there's a lot. There's, yeah, a lot there's, there's quite a few. But I can point to quite a few wealthy people, too, that I would consider at least at least as far as how they uh, interact with and change the world that they're good people. Like Elon. Elon's another good example of this. Elon's brain is not like yours and mine. He's on a different he's on a different wavelength. So while he may not, he may not be the most polite individual I do believe that his aim is to make life better for everybody else. I really do believe that. I will say that when it does come to like, you know, the realization of the power of perception, a lot of people will look at, you know, not to sidebar real quick, just to give more context to even more what you're saying, like, people will look at the fact that like if like if you practice meditation they'll be like hey he's a tree hugger uh you know say what you imagine a person that meditates is something that's just like oh but not even realize that or forget the fact that there there are individuals that practice that that just do things that i don't want to really say good and bad because we, we we know that there's really no such thing. That's more of a perspective. It's more from a conscious decision of right and wrong, right? They still do it. They still practice the practices and they allow themselves to be amplified. So um, when you look at that in a sense of how people could perceive or judge by saying you meditate, you're a tree hugger, people will see an individual with a mind like that and they will continuously put them in a box of either a conspiracy theorist, this person is a, a rabbit, you know what I'm saying, a lizard or whatever. And then you have others that will look at it like, oh, well, he doesn't give a damn about people in life or, or he's trying to get into people's minds, which we know just because you meditate is, is this or that. I think that it's just a matter of People just fear what they don't understand. Yeah. You 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 see a you see a person that is of that type of stature, and you realize that you know they're probably a prick. They're probably whatever. He wants to go into people's brains. He's something. And everyone else on the other spectrum, like you know, he's genius. But we just we'll just have to get to a space where people are seeing that we just in a time where everybody about to be that. That's where we are now, right now. So it's like, if you don't allow yourself to see that you you can have that same type of like automation as him or anyone else in that position, 
by just applying yourself because people want to wait for reparations, but the reparations is right here. You already have it. So allow yourself to grasp that and then become that. Because the world, honestly, you know, it'll have a, a, a black Elon at some point. You know what I'm saying? It'll have it'll have this other, like it'll be all walks of life that you see that are great in that way. You already taking your family to the next level by doing what you're doing right now. Pardon me for one second. Somebody is knocking at my door and making my dog go ape shit. So I'm sorry, but hang on one sec. Okay. Mamas, go to your room. Go to your room. Come on, kid. You know, my, my grandmother, my grandmother would say, my grandmother would say to me all the time, she'd be like, baby, uh, natural occurrences are one of two things. It's either one, to teach you a lesson, or to two, keep you at, keep you from your own demise. And you gotta look at like any time, like if you ever needed to have like a, oh yeah, I should stop doing this shit right now. Or like, oh, I just need a sign that I need to change my life. Like hear, hear what has been said and then what just happened with you walking away. You know what I'm saying? Like anything like that. Like I, I've been, I like, I had some last week where like I went to an appointment and it was like, you know how there's never nobody there? Like, there's nobody never here. And then you go that one time and it's like everything packed. It's taking way longer to get up out of there. It's like you got to look at that. That that situation uh, kept you from being in <laughs> somewhere in a fucking ditch. You know, in an accident, whatever. So sometimes the universe has to be able to kind of get in the way to be able to, to keep you from falling off a cliff or like, giving you a confirmation that you needed on something so take that to a mental note oh this particular case is no good deed goes unpunished <laughs> now there's a uh, there's a homeless gentleman that i help out every now and again but i swear it's like he knows when i'm doing a podcast every time is when he comes and he i get it he i get it he needs help but it's like I don't answer the door immediately and my dog goes ape shit and he doesn't get the message. And I've told him so many times, it's like, dude, when I don't come to the door immediately, it's because I'm on a call or I can't come to the door. And then he tries to talk to me and I'm like, I can't, I don't have time, man. 
Like I, I it's like I already left. I already left your groceries outside. Just I, I got, I got stuff to do. I'm busy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's 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 a he's a really nice guy who's just down on his luck. But it's like I can't be the only one to help you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but uh, you you said something that's true, and I in, in a way I'm a, I don't know if you would call it superstitious. You probably have a better word for it. But like I don't know if you've ever been you know driving home from work or whatever, and then just for some reason it pops into your head to take a different route, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people ignore that. I never do. And it's weird because sometimes I, like I checked, it was like, Oh, I wonder if there was traffic. And I just like had this instinct sometimes not, but I don't really ignore that feeling because of one thing that happened. I don't remember how old I was, but I was in middle school and my family and I went to, I think it was the Bartholomew County, but it was some sort of County fair. And at this county fair, they had, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like a, a dirt track racing with cars and whatnot. It's on a dirt track. And we were we were getting ready to leave. And my sister just was like, and to preface this, why I found this annoying. My sister and I are like oil and water. Like we just annoy each other. Like if it weren't for my nephews, we probably wouldn't talk to each other. It's not that we hate each other. We're just vastly different people. But I was ready to go because we'd been here for hours. I was ready. Everybody was ready to go. And then she out of nowhere just says, I want ice cream. And so we just kind of roll our eyes and everybody just says, well, if we don't, she'll just, you know, complain. So we'll just get ice cream, whatever. So we get ice cream and then everybody, by the end of it, everybody's like, okay, yeah, that was probably a good idea because ice cream hits the spot. So we leave though. One of those cars had gone off track and blown right through that fence Mm. where I don't. I don't know if it's exactly when we would have been there, but it would have been close. Like we definitely would have seen the accident happen. And it did, it created, I don't think anyone died, but it did hit some people. And we were just like, Oh wow. That's, that'll change your perspective. So yeah, I don't, I don't ignore those, um, not really an urge, but those moments of insight where it's like, ah, I, you should go this route or you should go here today or you should be in a certain place or do a certain thing and you don't understand why you have the compulsion to do so. You just, it just pops into your head. So that's the reason why I almost always do it. Yeah. Yeah. Intuition. Yep. And then obviously you've all had those moments where, you know, you meet a certain, like, you meet somebody just randomly in life, and you just got this feeling, it's like, I should stay the fuck away from this person. You don't know why. You just have that gut feeling, but then you find out things later, you know, or maybe you don't, maybe you never know, but it's happened to me before. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I should definitely stay away from this person, and then it turns out they're either a crook, or they screw people over, or, you know, any number of reasons. But listen to that instinct. You may not understand why you have that feeling, but there's something definitely elevated, at least in my opinion, when when that happens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. intuition. It's your intuition. You you got to be able to to know that there's a there's a part of you that always is that. You know what I'm saying? Like your intuition is to break it down. The intuition is innate knowledge, and the the brain or all your other receptors are learned knowledge. 
you know, do what you had through your centuries over time. So um, <laughs> I I often look at, um, I look at the fact that like, look at that, it went away from me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that happens. Don't feel bad. It, that happens it, to me all the time too. It literally went away from me. It, no, it'll come it, back. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. Usually on podcasts, so everyone gets to see it happen in real time. Where it's like, um, and I've literally sometimes just been like, ah, oh, that sucks because it was going to be good too. And it just, just is, that's so weird how that happens. So you literally have it in your head and then the next minute it's gone and you cannot remember even a shred of where you were going. It will come back though. It always does. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing me back into awareness. That's because, uh, People, people rely too much on their learned information instead of their innate information. And if you allow yourself to receive your innate information, it's, it's, it's a godly thing. When you come to an intersection in a road that you could have been there, you missed, but someone said, I got to stop and I got to take a piss, like it's divine. People think, oh, that's coincidences, but it's not really, there's no such thing as a coincidence. There are only synchronicities and allow yourself to see a synchronicity when it is being placed like in front of you yeah you know what you know where i find that is probably the most important that i think the most people overlook is when it happens with kids particularly younger children because like I, I have two nephews that are obviously younger than me but i mean like vastly younger than me and like my youngest nephew is yeah he's nine now but this happened when he was about seven you know it's just well, not so much with my nephews, but I've been around children. And then you read stories about, like, uh, this hasn't happened to me or my family personally, but I read an article about this. And according to the article, there was, uh, I think it was somebody's, I think it was somebody's niece. And they were, there was this one uncle that they just, everybody loved this uncle except for this kid. This kid just never wanted to be around him since they were very, very little. Just would always cry, never wanted to be. And then as the 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 child got older uh she would vocalize not wanting to be around him you know and like that whole thing where you know like they make you go in for a hug at family gatherings and all that stuff and then i think you can probably infer where this story is going uh it turns out that this uncle was abusing this child for years you know, but even before the abuse started apparently uh the kid just did not want to be around this person yeah, a lot of other even in those cases, it'd be like the adults, you know, or the family member, family members, I should say, you know, because of the way they're set up, they'd be like, oh, that didn't happen, because it's like you don't you don't really want to like that be out there in the street. It's like, oh, such and such family got you know they're they're a pedophile, you know, whatever. Yeah. So they a lot of people will be trying to just save that person, but then they overlook the fact that you're you're not even considering the well being of the child. So um, I think people just don't even want to just be gossiped about like that in the street at the end of the day. And they just, they rather like keep it to themselves. But yeah. Children, but, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but the, the point of that though is that it's really funny because if you actually listen to kids, they'll, they'll tell you a whole lot. You know, most people just ignore what children's, you know, the phrase out of the mouths of babes, you know, because like, hey, 
it means basically like, oh yeah, they say kids say the darndest things, right? You know, but it's it's a different kind of intelligence, but it's definitely there. And if you actually sit down and listen to a child, it's fascinating because their minds are unhindered by the rigidity of adult life. And I always find it really fascinating to even just listen to a kid describe something and something so mundane can seem very, very magical to a child. And then when you actually think about it in that way, it's, it's, it's a really interesting experience and I highly recommend it. So if you've got, you know, young children, whether they're yours or you know any, just sit down and talk to them. It's a wild ride. It's a lot of fun. You, you, like you ever, you ever see like somebody who you know is like, went through let's say a, a game that they're really good at and then they they start back over to play again but you like man how many times do you fucking play this game like you are intelligent like when kids are are coming at birth they're like that compared to us because like we just been programmed so much that we don't even believe the things we see in front of us like well to be fair it's also because we've been lied to much more much more so there there is a distrust that develops the older you get at least i with most people i've observed which i mean just look at the world we live in like it's to the point now you know the saying is believe half of what you see and none of what you hear well we're getting to the point where you can't even believe what you see because you know there have been for i'm not going to single out one uh, instance, but even the past year alone there have been a, a, an astonishing number of news articles and stories that were widely reported and turned out to be just completely or partially false. I think there was, what's that? They want you to panic. Well, I think, I think it's a little bit less nefarious and more greedy. I think that when it comes to news outlets, it's no longer, which I don't know that it ever was about being accurate because there's this weird idea that, journalism in in the united states at least was at one time un you know unbiased and all about the facts historically that's really not true that idea of news being unbiased and objective journalism kind of actually didn't really come about until about like the 19 i'd say it started probably in the 60s ish and really came full force in the 80s but ironically in the 80s is when you got a bunch of corporate sponsorships taking over these news networks, and then you get into the 24-hour news cycle, and that just opens up a whole nother new can of worms because the corporate sponsors want ratings, and what gives the best ratings? Panic, like you said. So it's, it's, it's simultaneously true. They want to panic, but they want to panic because panic creates ratings, and I'll never forget this, and I don't, I don't know what your stance is on COVID, and it really doesn't matter for this example, but I'll never forget this because it stood out to me like I, I was in disbelief. It was a commercial for like a special, a CNN special about COVID-19. And it was right as it was just starting to really ramp up and get bad. We still didn't know a lot about it yet, but we were starting to, we were starting to learn more. It was around that time, but CNN aired this commercial that the best way I can describe it, it was almost like, it was almost like a commercial, like a trailer for a horror movie. Like if you took the, uh, you remember that, uh, I think the movie was 28 Days Later, and then there was another one. Um, 
I don't think it was called Pandemic. I can't remember. But anyway, um, but I'll never forget it. At the end of that commercial, that promo, it had audio from a woman they had interviewed earlier because I recognized her voice. But this one was just the audio, and it was like CNN, COVID-19 special, what will happen? And it was the same woman, but it was only audio. And she's and she said, uh, I just hope we all survive this. And I was like, wow, that, like, you're supposed to be, they're selling us the idea of objective journalism. But that right there is you're trying to scare people into watching your hour-long program. <laughs> like, that. And then the other thing I noticed, which I actually, there's a video on my YouTube channel where I remind people. As I said on another podcast, do you remember, it was a little over a year, if you watch, if you were watching CNN, they always had whatever was on, it didn't matter, they always had that set of graphics to the right that kept track of, like, uh, COVID case numbers and death numbers and all that, all that stuff. I, I told them, and again, it doesn't really matter how, where you lean politically, this is just, it's true. I had said, I said, if Joe Biden wins in 2020, that thing will disappear in a month. Two months tops. You watch. I think it was. I was a little off because it happened after he got sworn in, actually. So it was about a month after he got sworn in. That graphic disappeared. It only came up when they were talking about COVID. But as far as the general broadcast, disappeared. And this is when the administration was, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, we were still in the middle of a pandemic. But the only thing that had changed was who was the president of the United States. And I guess they were rolling out more vaccine numbers. But if you recall, that became a point of controversy, too. But I just found that not funny, not ha-ha funny, but I was just like, oh, I didn't want to be right. But damn it, there it was. And then eventually it disappeared altogether. Not much longer after that. Yeah, they, I mean, they... I, I mean, that chart is like, what's that thing on the stock market? When, yeah, when the ticker. Watching, yep. Yeah, when you watch it, it's like a ticker. It's just, you know that you, you know that those numbers mean absolutely nothing. They don't mean, they don't mean anything. This one, the same thing. It's just to make you feel like they ain't lost your money on this one. And, and on this one, like, man, shit is going crazy out here. But, you know, they, they both twisted. It's like you said yeah. earlier, you, you have to be able to. Um, in order to tell the truth, you got to tell a lie. Or tell a lie, you have to tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I always, another kind of go-to thing that I talk about is how easy how easy numbers are to manipulate. And I noticed something, which this wasn't just COVID, but this is where I really started to like hone in on this, is if, if, if generally speaking, if somebody uses a percentage value, the absolute value is probably not very high, or they're trying to hide how high the absolute value actually is. But anytime, anytime they use absolute numbers, the percentage value is probably not all that great. Because, for example, with, with COVID-19, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but this is a good example of statistics. Um, whenever they were giving mortality numbers, they would always give raw numbers. They would never say, like, this percentage of cases uh, resulted in, you know, the person dying. But if you actually did the math, 
Like, don't get me wrong. It was a lot of people. And I said this every time. It's like, this is, it's, it's a lot of people, but the actual percentage rate is way less scary than the whole number, which is why they're using it. Um, but then I'm trying to think of another good example, which they usually use percentages more. But, well, like, here's a good one, just in a general sense, you know, 50% off of, no, that's a bad example. Sorry, um, that's a that's a horrible. I was about to make a horrible, horrible example of my point. You know, well, okay, so a better one. You know, a ten percent off sale, right? Well, how much is the thing? Because ten percent can be really good. You know, ten percent off a grand is a hundred bucks. That's not nothing. Ten percent yeah. off five dollars. You know, it's it's inconsequential. In the scheme, in the scheme of things, they want to pull you in. No, you know what I'm saying? They gotta. But that's what I'm. But that's what I'm saying because with percentages, it depends. But it usually is not worth. Like my my favorite thing at the uh, like whenever you're at the grocery store, and this really only applies when you're an individual like me. If you've got a family, this is usually worthwhile. But like the whole, you know. How would you say it? If something is perishable too, you know, my, my favorite thing is um, my business partner will say, um, you know, why do you buy the small package? And I say, well, it's because it's just me. And I understand that the cost per unit is lower with that route, but it's going to go bad before I consume all of it. And the smaller package is less overall money. So if my goal is to not waste it, I'm actually better off going this route. If I had a family of four, absolutely go that route. But everybody is so, at least in the United States, it seems most people are so obsessed with getting the best deal or more for your money that they're not really thinking about what, what are you buying? Like super size me meals at McDonald's, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I get more food. It's or it's a better deal. It's like, yeah, but look at what you're getting. Like you do not need to eat that much to be satiated. Man, you, you, that, that like even reminds me, like, even if you look at it on the other side, what about like like family members, right? Like you have a business and let's say like <clears throat> no like 10 people in your family just went and got like new cabinets. The fact that y'all didn't even come to me is like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like people will, in that sense of where you're explaining how they look at it on that side, like, oh, I want this. And this makes no sense of what I'm, the quality of what I'm buying. I just, it looks good. It's like on the other end, you see how people like won't even, they'd be like, nah, because you're my fan. You're this person that's close to me. I know you. I'd rather go spend money with this person than with you. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. But that's, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing too. And, and again, business, it's, it, it's funny. You mentioned, it's like, so I, I have, like I mentioned earlier that, that commercial, right. Um, mm -hmm. Like my business partner asked his buddy to come up with that after he mentioned it. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I went to school for this shit, right? Like, you know, I do this in, like, my spare time away from here, and I've made money at this. Like, I've done this professionally. It's like, really? So, I mean, I, I didn't say anything because I didn't care. 
that much, but it is just kind of like, that is wild. The, your first instinct wasn't to come to me, somebody who you know, like, you've seen my shit. This is not a secret. It's, it's almost like sometimes you are, are invisible, but not in, not in like in a bad way, just like to them, like, because when you ask, they'd be like, oh shit, why didn't I think of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, you know, you know why, bro. I think sometimes it is a, fam- I don't know that this is really an accurate term. I just thought of a familiar, a familiarity bias where it's like, you, you already know it. So it doesn't really, you don't think about it in the same way or some people, because I would like, for example, if I, somebody in my family was an accountant, that would be my first place to go to get my taxes done. Right. But I've seen it happen where there are people who just, because they know somebody that does it, it seems like it's the last person that comes to mind. And there's, at least not that I'm aware of, there's really no good reason for it. So maybe it's because they're so familiar with that person, they don't really think of them as a resource. Which I guess in a way could be nice. I don't know. That would be interesting to delve into and see if there's something there, like on a a mental level. They, they know they know the power of marketing. Uh, they know that if they if they market something and they they trigger an emotion with you, they control you to somewhat of a extent because you're controlling yourself to fall for it and or allow it. So it's like they did an experiment with some designers. They like put in a designer store. They put it all together. They had everybody come. You know what I'm saying? And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was yeah. wild. Yeah. It's like y'all got on payless shoes. Like when they told him, it was like, oh my god, this is payless. Yeah, bro, because you you just see some with a model with a picture in front of it, and you just think they're like, oh, this is the this is hot. But it's like, bro, that that shit cheap. What what did they name the store? I can't remember. It was a funny name too. So like, if somebody had thought about it for more than two seconds. Oh, I cannot remember what they named the like store. A, it was like a for some French, you know, some French. Uh, well, like my favorite. Um, are you are, are you you're, are you familiar with Penn and Teller, the magicians? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, they're magicians, but they they show you how to do the trick because they they're magicians, but they don't try to feed you that it's actual magic. They show you how they do the trick afterwards. But they had a show on Showtime for years, which I really wish hadn't ended because they're both still alive and performing. But it was called Penn and Teller Bullshit. And every episode, they would take on like a commonly held belief and show you how it was, in fact, bullshit. But my favorite one was they were doing, um, it was some particular homeopathic thing I can't remember, but they set up a fake shop, and it was an Asian theme, and they called it Sosumi. Sosumi. I, 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 I never, I never seen that. Oh, it's it's wild, but that's uh, designers. I'm I'm gonna look this up because I remember the uh, the name of the store was oh, it was Palesi. So they called the store Palesi. So it's just pay less with an I at the end and no Y. <laughs> hey, they got to make it sound sexy. 
Oh man, that but I know exactly the video you're talking. I watched that and I was just giggling the whole time because I'm like, it's so true. You can absolutely do that. And it's, a lot of luxury brands do that. You know, like for example, I'm in cabinetry. One of the cabinets I carry is made in the same facility as Master Brand Cabinetry. It's the same stuff. It is the same materials, but it's branded differently. They be getting off. <laughs> Bro, I think about sometimes that like you, you almost wonder like who's really watching who. Like you, you think about the stuff that they do to us every day, and then you look at like how we are like in lower class uh, societies where we just be trying to get over all the time. Like that is crazy to me. It's like they do the same thing every day. They wake up every day and figure out How are we gonna get their energy today? Your money, you know what I'm saying? So, bro, people, I think paying five, $600 for shoes that fucking look like, you know them shoes you get when a baby is really little? Like, that's basically what you wear. Like, you fucking with five, $600. It's fucking crazy, bro. I, you know, and this just might be my, my middle-class upbringing coming up, but I, I, I think six hundred bucks for a pair of any shoes is ridiculous. I mean, at the end of the day, but I think of them based upon utility, though, because I'm not I'm not into like designer shoes. So, by I'm probably not the person to ask about that because I I look at a shoe at, at the most basic level. A shoe is something to protect my feet from the hard ground. Now, up to a certain point, you want it to look good. And for a certain occasion, you want it to look good, but there is a line, at least in my brain. Now, I know that that line is way higher for other people. And you know what? Good for them. If that's what they want to spend their money on, then that's off to them. I got no issue with that. But for me personally, I would never pay $600 for a pair of shoes. No, no, never, never. I, I got $10,000 in my pocket. I, I, I'm still not buying <laughs> Six hundred dollars shoes. It's just, it's just, it's ridiculous, man. You know, you, like people just. Don't, I will say this: when you want to put that, put that ish on, you know what I'm saying, and get clean. I get it. Like it's a special occasion. It's a wedding or something like that. But, bro, you you about to go to the grocery store and then you come back home. Like, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Well, then at the same time, you can rent a tux. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. But no, I get that. And like a suit might be one of those exceptions. But again, there there's a line. Like I don't I don't know what a like a, a good Armani suit goes for these days, but depending upon where you're gonna be wearing it, it might be worth the investment. But you know, I don't think you need ten of them. But maybe you do. I don't know. It depends on what you're doing. But I guarantee you, like somebody might say, Well, what if you're in entertainment? I would just say then you do realize, like, if you're like, if you on a television show every day of the week, that person is not buying the suit. There's a whole wardrobe department in the te television studio. Like, that's not their clothes. Because even they understand that that's too much to assume one person to, to do, to buy, you know, that much expensive clothing. Just for an example, but people don't think about that. They just 
take what they see at face value and make a lot of assumptions. They're not being precise. We, we, but it's crazy even to look at it that because it's like the average person probably only wears three outfits a week. Like, if you really think about it outside, okay, if you got like a job, you okay, you're going to change your clothes every day. But I'm, I'm saying like outside, if you don't have to go to work, you don't got to go nowhere, you at the crib, the average person is wearing the same sweatpants with that t-shirt, basketball short with something, you know what I'm saying? Or that, like that fleece, you know, like that. It's like, that's what I'm wearing. You, you're going to see this at least three more times this week. So it's just like, hey, right. to I mean, to each of them, I don't, you know what I'm saying? That's what you want to do, but. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, like, and, and people, and which is probably partially my fault because of the delivery. Um, because I've been told many times I have the male equivalent of resting bitch face, and it probably has it in my tone, too. But, you know, when I say stuff like that, I'm not passing judgment on it. I'm just saying that, for me, $600 for a pair of shoes, like, I could think of so many better ways to spend $600, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But that doesn't mean that, I, I don't know, like, this shows you how much I know about shoes, like... If you if you've got the money and you want to spend, I don't know what are, what are, what is a new set of I, I don't even know. Like, are you are you into sneakers? Because what do Air Jordans go for? I don't even know. Uh, I mean, it, it, it typically around that. It's still around two hundred. Okay, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking two or three hundred. But like, if you've got the money and you want to, you know, buy the new Air Jordans that come out, go nuts. I think where the criticism might be valid is when you don't have $200 to your name and you go out and buy the Air Jordans anyway. It's retarded. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, I get, and it's funny because people can justify a whole manner of things and they always forget the caveat. Like, I get it. You need shoes. You absolutely need shoes. But you don't need Air Jordans. If you want Air Jordans and can afford them, go nuts. But there's, you know, there's Palin's. If you want really nice, you can go to Palesi. Palesi. That, hey, they got them foreigns in there. <laughs> I do want to say, like, I want, I want to reiterate something. Like, I, what I said in terms of, like, yeah, I said it's fucking retarded. I just want people to know that, like, when, when, I, when I say that in that context, I want you to know, like, the, the actual definition in terms of progress and development that's what it means it has nothing to do with stupid is that it, it, it's it's quite literally fucking retarded for you to not prioritize the fact that like you said if you don't if this is the last 200 dollars you had or 300 dollars, and you went and brought it so you can look fresh you are retarded you, you you don't know how to be able to be accountable for your actions so you just you just do whatever and and don't have a plan you don't prioritize Hey, ain't that your 10 rule? No, 10 is be precise in your speech. I mean, okay, you got to be more cognitive in your behavior. You know what I'm saying? You got to be accountable at the end of the day. So uh, I don't know. I, I just think that we need to maybe sometimes bring that word back even more as my uh, my business partner says all the time. My, my co-host on my podcast is just like, Bro, like some of y'all just really do and say some of the just complete complete insolence. But at the end of the day, it's like you get it. Like you, I don't really judge you, or I don't really see like uh, to use my opinion and be biased. 
but you just got to have like a realization that sometimes like it pays to pay attention, it pays to, you know, not to miss out a little bit sometime in order to advance. I have plenty of family members that I've seen like have great potential or have things that have gotten to them. It's like, hey, you ain't never had this. You should get it together. And they blow it. It's like, I yeah. just want to have fun. Like, yeah. Oh, and oh, I, I think you'll agree here. Probably the one of the most, if not the most annoying thing I see is wasted potential. And especially for no good reason. Like, it's one thing if you're like a genius, but you live in just a, a dirt hole that's ne near impossible to get out of if somebody doesn't know your talent. But like when, when somebody has like not even every advantage, but they just have no good reason to not succeed and they just don't, they waste their gifts and their talents either over stupid things or just not even my biggest one is when they don't use it at all mm -hmm. and go with something else. And it's, it's just like, no, 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 no. It's, oh, I hate seeing that, which is part of my mission. And I want to ask you about your podcast here in a second, but that's part of the mission that I can, one of the reasons why I started this, because I've just in my life, I've met so many people that were smart or entertaining or have something that should be said and heard for the masses, but they don't have a way to broadcast it. And because of that, most people don't even make the attempt. Like the whole point of this is to try to make it as easy as possible to springboard whatever project you have. Right now it's podcasts and a little bit of, not even directly with me, but some music production through a friend of mine and one of my co-hosts on one of the various podcasts. But the whole, and that's why he and I get along so well is because we're on the same mission, just different paths. Because his whole thing is he's trying to get independent musicians a way to make it easier to you know, get their vision out there. So he helps with things like even even things as simple as like mixing. He's got a resource for that. You know, marketing, social media, he's got all that stuff. And what he and I have in common is we don't charge for this. Like you'll you'll pay for the mixing, obviously, but like the the help and whatnot, like for example, if you just brief sales pitch, like if you've got an idea for a podcast and you reach out to us and you join the network immediately you get access to our uh our hidden tutorial videos list which is constantly being updated like for example when tiktok very briefly allowed you to upload audio podcasts within a week we had a tutorial video showing you how to do it because it actually was really the way they did it was really really odd like it wasn't self-explanatory like you had to know where to go to do it now it's gone now but within a week we had a video up showing you step by step we show you how to get on spotify and apple podcasts and all that stuff and we even show you how to edit youtube shorts like maybe you've never edited a video before like we break it down for you in all these videos it doesn't matter what level of experience some of our podcast hosts have never ever opened up a video editor before in their life and one of them is now posting multiple shorts a week you know, it's just all about giving you the resources and you get access to our private Discord server where, guess what? If you've got a question, the other people who have podcasts are right there all the time. Like, anybody can help you. And then we line up sponsorship opportunities for our podcasts, too. Like, this is stuff that you don't pay for. The only thing we ask for is a little bit of cross-promotion here and there. But the ultimate goal is to get these podcasts, you know, 
out. And we're also hedging our bets on it because, like, for example, the goal is to get 50 podcasts. And then that creates another problem, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If we have 50 podcasts on the network and one of them makes it big, well, that's just going to rub off on everybody else. Maybe not to the same degree, but it's it's going to have a cumulative um, a cumulative effect. Uh, but that actually, because I'm also like you and I talked about getting you on the network, and we I won't bore the listeners with that conversation. But you mentioned your podcast, so if you would please tell our listeners what your podcasts are all about. Um, well, um, the videos that I have gotten into and I, I'll, I'll say this, like I haven't officially released like in terms of like a full length episode, like as a podcast, like I haven't. And um, everything has been more of like, of just, I've, I've shot a bunch of stuff and it's just been chopped up. So I, I really like picked like a, like a name or setting in the stone, but it's just a matter of uh, what I kind of doing from social media, I decided to do. And even from this perspective to be able to like have like conversations like this is like an internal dialogue is how I look at it, you know? So, but um, I do know that with, with this whole area with tech and then what I feel like from a mindfulness perspective, I can offer people, um, I'm deciding to do that. And I am, very much interested in you know seeing what your platform and everything has to to offer um because you because you, you you know you're a good dude you know what i'm saying like oh, I've, thank I've, you. I've i try you for, i know you for quite some time now and it's like to to even touch point to what you were saying earlier like you see how you see how um how powerful marketing is is because it it, it Put you in a, in a state of mind where you it can make you literally forget you already have everything you need and you don't even have to go out and go into all these things to buy in order to make you feel good for yourself or to be this thing you know you don't have to look like that uh you i hear kevin gates say it all the time on uh online comparison is the uh, killer of all joys and you like want to keep up with the joneses and with you you taking the time of like when we know better, when it's like complete ignorance, you know, people are being controlled and not, I don't like using that word, I'm sorry, not controlled, but people are being manipulated in a way to be able to go against their own uh, personal perseverance. And it's like you put out something that is like you giving the game for free. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not looking at a person as being someone that is like, hey, I, I bet if somebody came to you right now and asked you like, hey, how, how do I start a cabinet company? Like you would tell them, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just because the type of person that you are. You know what I mean? I'm sure that like you ain't finna be giving nobody your formula formula, but you know what I mean? No, well, the first piece of advice I would tell them is don't do it. <laughs> it's a, it's, it can't be a headache, bro. Customer service. For sure. No, no, you, you, you gotta have, uh, and I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not 100% sure that I'm, I'm certainly not 100% right for it, but um, I definitely care about my customers. So I guess in a certain extent, I do have the right mindset for it. But I'm going to be honest, man. Like, I, I would much rather be doing the podcast thing all day long. But that's everybody, right? Everybody would rather be doing their passion projects. But until that takes yeah. off, you got to sell you can tell, look at you, like, literally, like, bro, I can see it on your face. Like, you, you know, when someone gets, like, into a character, like, into themselves, and I, like, you enjoy what you do. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's not a lot of people that is like out here doing that. Some people just really doing it just so they can get a call and pay, pay the bills. Like you you would do it for free just because it's yeah. what you love. And, if I could. And you're, yeah. yeah. And and we all of our, you know, the things that we like are really great at doing it comes super easy. Like if you a person in sales, it's like those are the things that are going to make way for your passions. You know what I'm saying? For you to be able to do it. So you, yeah, you, you gotta, I, I, I love what, I love what you're doing and I, you know what I'm saying? Like, you well, know, thank you, you. Always get my thank you. Well, at the end of the day, and I always say this too, is at the end of the day, we're doing this because we love it. Like it, it is fun for us. If it led to monetary gain, great. Cause like I said, I'm a dirty capitalist pig. I will absolutely, I have, I have lines obviously, but like if I can make money at it, not you know screw people over i absolutely will do it but one of the things i'm very proud of is that you know when we line up sponsorships for people um we take very little and the only reason we take anything is to pay the income tax that we are going to be forced to pay because of our wonderful wonderful government that can absolutely do no wrong and you know is is there for us because i'm sure they're listening right now and and that's exactly why that's exactly why you you have the homeless man that comes to you because of who you are you're a beacon of light you know what i'm saying i mean that doesn't mean that people don't get on your nerves and like listen i'm not dealing with you bro i know a lot of people that are sweet people that are just complete introverts but that's why bro i mean you just that's the type of person you are you're ordained to do just like you no matter what you just attract things like that so you just have with great power comes you know great responsibility yeah but i think the best the best thing that's come out of this whole podcast thing is the people i've met which i would have never met so many people like uh some of the well i'll tell you his name's uh max but he prefers to go by virus that's his rock star ego is uh i met him through tiktok and the only reason i met him was because we post clips from our podcast to TikTok. I don't really post any other content. It's just clips from our podcasts. And he started liking some of them. And I love I love rock music. So he's got a band, right? So I checked out the band and I was like, holy shit, he's actually good. Because normally, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Usually when people are like, yeah, check out my music, like it, it's a toss up as to whether it's actually good or not. Like, I remember I was at a gas station and a, a, a guy handed me um what did he hand me? He was trying to sell me a CD, but I, I honestly didn't have cash on. Me. Um, but I said, uh, man, sorry, I don't have any, I don't have any cash on me. I just came to get gas, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, here, take this QR code and listen to our stuff on Spotify. I'm like, cool. I can do that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know why you're trying to flog CDs. I would just do that. You're going to get a lot more people. But, um, yeah, I listened to it and they, uh, Keep keep working, but it, it it's it's not there yet. It it, it wasn't there yet. That you just made you literally just made me think of something that just <laughs> ain't it ain't it crazy that like what you just said about the QR code like ain't it crazy that like where technology at that like uh you see just how like even a person that's homeless how hey there's no excuse if they come up on you or run up on you. Hey, uh, can I get a dollar, sir? Uh, it ain't like before. Like, yeah, get a cash. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't get no cash. You're like, 
Don't worry, buddy. Take a take I, I cash up. Cash at me. <laughs> cash at me right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like what? I seen somebody one time that was on the side of the road playing, and then they had they, you know what I'm saying? Like they Venmo and stuff like that. So it's like, hey, you can't get stopped at that light no more and be like, hey, because hey. where there's a wheel, there's a way. Technology didn't, didn't mess up the game. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, so. I only met Virus because of us posting, or Max, I should say, Max. And the funny thing about Max is um, I did not know who he was when I met him, but we I had him in the band on the podcast, which did impress me because they did it in a day's notice, which I thought was wild. Like, not only are you going to give me the time of day, like, you don't know me from Adam. Like, you don't you don't know anything about me other than some clips that you liked on the internet. But then he calls me a few... <laughs> Calls me about a month after that podcast, and I find out that he's a, in addition to being in a rock band, the front man, he's also a legit millionaire uh, that owns two Ferraris and a waterless car wash company that is trying to change, he's basically trying to change the world. And that's only one, that's one of the few things that he has. He also has a, uh, I guess the best way you could call it is a, an innovation company. That's kind of what they do. Um, and they help, like I said, they help artists realize their their dreams. And this is a guy who we're very much on the same wavelength. Like we eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. We can't turn it off. So we just we just do it. Like it, it's 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 like very similar to how you have the drive to eat when you're hungry. It's just something that which I'm sure you understand too with your projects. It's almost like a drive because you just can't turn it off. And it's not that it's not like it's a chore because I love doing it, but there's constantly that, that drive to keep. And I'm always thinking about how can I make things better? How can I offer more to the people on the network? How can I help them all grow? How can I help, you know, our stuff grow? And I, I absolutely love doing it. But then also Haley, who hosts the, the sponsor of this podcast, Part of your program. Oh, and there's Justin, Justin, Spur of the Moment podcast. He only has a podcast because I strong armed <laughs> uh, him. Justin says, uh, it's crazy how one minute you're making a video about Power Rangers and that turns into an award winning sponsored podcast, which is true. They actually did win uh, an Artie award. Yeah, just, Justin, uh, it's funny. Because I, I wouldn't let him, I wouldn't stop talking to him about it. And then finally, I think it was only, wasn't it like two or three weeks, Justin? Because I had him on my podcast because he was just making like a bunch of pop culture videos on TikTok. And I said, damn, this dude is really entertaining. Like, you should absolutely do a podcast. And I think it was honestly like two or three weeks later, we got it. And like, we came up with a name and a logo. Like, we came up with the name and a logo in like a day or two. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how into this crap I am. I obsessed over it. It was a lot of fun, though. You gotta be like anytime you want to like change whatever you got going on, you have to be it. You have to literally meet the desire before the desire meets you. Like I, I can't stress it enough. Like you have to be compelled by what it is you want to visualize and be to where you, like I said earlier, you get into character. But it's not even so much a character. It's just you know your program that's in you. You know what I'm saying? Your your ancestor. However you want to look at it in terms of like that which is internal. Like, yeah. so again, like, yeah. Go ahead. Well, Ju Justin, Justin actually said at one point something that I don't think he quite knows how much it meant to me. 
uh, and I'm, I'm so, I cannot remember exactly what you said, but something to the effect of like that everything, particularly the video tutorials, were just insanely helpful. And he thanked me for you know making that available to him, and that meant the world because I put a lot of work into those videos. And the fact that I know he's not the only person that's used them, but the fact that you know it was acknowledged that the hard work was uh, appreciated, it meant it meant the world to me. And then Justin said, yeah, sometimes just that little bit of belief pushes you. And, and a lot of cajoling. <laughs> but yeah, Haley was very much the same way with the Part of Your Broadway World podcast. Again, via TikTok, um, I just, I saw the content she was doing and I said, wow, she's very entertaining. She absolutely, I just said, like, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Yeah, but I don't really know how. And I was like, well, fun fact. Here you go. Here's all the information. And to this day, I'll help her out with thumbnails and stuff like that. Like, I just have, I just have a lot of fun with it. Justin, again, it was super helpful. Your tutorial on YouTube shorts taught me a ton about CapCup. And then literally after, like, I think within a couple of days, you guys were producing shorts. And to this day, you're still, uh, I know you're still producing shorts because I keep, I keep seeing them. Um, and it's funny what shorts will take off. It's it's so weird. Anybody who claims to know to have YouTube Shorts figured out, they are lying to you, because we have had we have had ones that I've made. I'm like, this is so gonna go viral, and it gets nothing. And then some. There were a couple. Some of our most viral shorts are ones that I almost didn't make because I was just like, I don't think this is gonna get anything. And then it gets insane views. So. See, yeah, but just, that goes back to what you were saying earlier about like trusting yourself. That that inner part of you is just tells you to like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, I'm cool with this. I don't, I don't think that was like. But some people are like, oh, you? I don't think I look good. But then someone will come and be like, bro, that shit was fly you had on, bro. Like, yeah, oh, that's okay. yep, yep. So it's it's um, those little things, and I I think that's that's another thing I would like to encourage everyone to do is. You know, if, if you have a compliment in your mind, vocalize it. Because you, you might think that it's inconsequential, but I mean, it could, it could have, it could make somebody's month. You know, especially like I know a lot of independent artists and when somebody writes that comment on their music video or on their social media posts and say, wow, this song rocks, like um, uh, Rachel from the band Valena, who I met through a podcast. Their first single they released, I don't know what it was. It just really resonated with me. I love that song. And what I'll do on my Instagram account, I call it jake.account.ability. The whole point of it was because I basically challenged myself to do three things every day. And that is read, uh, practice a foreign language, and exercise. And I don't always hit it, but I try to every day. But what I'll do on, if I take a video of working out or exercising, I'll put music behind it. And it's always what I'm listening to while I'm doing said exercise just to make it easy on myself. And one day it was actually that song from Valena. And I posted it not thinking much, but then like it meant the world to them that I just included their song in a post. Because to an independent artist, a few hundred views is like gold or it could be it can be like gold and then another thing i always say is you know like again you've got a youtube especially if it's an independent youtube channel or you know any kind of independent media creation like it 
every time, like it, share it, because that like or that subscribe is that one subscribe click is the difference between 999 and 1,000. And you need 1,000 to get monetized on YouTube. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. You know, because you, you could be the difference in that channel succeeding and taking the next step or not. So absolutely do it. And it, it costs you nothing. Yeah, it costs nothing to, it's so cliche to treat other people how you want to be treated. Uh, oh. I tell people all the time, you want to ask me what's what's the code to this here whole matrix that we live in? It's just like treating people how you want to be treated, bro, at the end of the day. Because it, no matter what, like when you, when you find yourself going against like someone's like, likeliness with ill intent you always see like how it puts you in like bad states and in bad places but when you generally like are unconditional or just treat a person like all right you know what i know if i was in that position i needed i would do it and just because you love to do it you want to like you're foreseeing development in other people and that and that make and that makes you a developer we're doing the ai right? <laughs> and that makes you a developer in a sense, and you people, people like that just have to realize that if you if you if you if you remove the element of your ego and don't allow yourself to just think that you have to control everything, everything has to everything is about you, and just look at somebody else and know that they could have had it worse. Like especially like think about when you you in traffic and people have road rage, they they just want to yell and they want to go crazy, but you don't know if that person is running late, like. Some something's really going on, they in a rush or something. Like you know how that person's day is. So before you speak and, and judge another person based off their their ignorance in the moment, like take the time to realize that like it's probably something else. You know what I'm saying? And I it, here let yeah, me something it, else. Yeah, it usually that. is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like it's it's funny. Well, it's not funny. That's not the right word, but it's like which we we all have those moments in those days when it's just like it's for for your relative existence it's it's not going well like it's not a good day one of the things i do that really helps me push through those times is i remind myself because i've met people like i know people i know more than a few people actually that cannot return to their country of birth because it is not safe for them they had to leave and i'm just over here like man am i really going to get that upset because some you know customer pissed me off like Nah, that when you think about it, like, and you remind yourself how truly fortunate. I also have the luxury. I've told this story before. I've had the luxury of being able to travel in what I call like real Mexico, not the touristy places. I mean, I saw real poverty. Like, I saw real not having any money. We're talking no indoor plumbing, one pair of shoes that better last you a couple years. You know. I saw dirt poor, and I'll, I'm here to tell you the average American does not know what poor is, relatively speaking. Like, don't get me wrong, there's definitely poor people in America, but as an entire nation, like, we, we don't know what poverty is. And that's one of those things I can always think back on, you know, it's like, ah, if it's, if it's getting a little tight this month, you know, whatever, I can remind myself, I'm like, yeah, but if I really needed like if I really needed money, I can get it. Like I, I can absolutely have. I can absolutely have money. It's not like 
Yeah, it's not like many, many people around the world who who just don't have options. They they don't have them. They don't exist. So that's always helpful to uh, get through those times when I just forget how truly fortunate I am as a person, which we all do it, right? Because everybody's relative existence is different. Like, but I find that helpful. But the the question, so you haven't done a full podcast yet, but what what will they be about when you? Uh, get those released. Uh, um, I'll be talking. I'll be getting more into like healthcare um, from a, a modern medicine type of perspective. In terms of like, if you were to do like Eastern and Western, like you know the holistic, and you know I talk about that, and um, just more things that are based around accountability and having mindfulness. You know that that's. That's that's the most of it. I feel like the podcast in general is just to bring more awareness about the things that we overlook every day. That, like you said earlier, people just pay money for anything. Like, oh, the shirt it was this a good deal, but the quality behind it, or was it? What is, is it going to do to your body? So, like, just that. And and mainly, it's a lot of it is more of like me talking to myself. To be honest with you, like to teach myself, uh, so that I can go back and I and I watch it. Uh, because you, you always see like the answer in front of you all the time. Like you always have your own answers and to, um, to hit where like you were saying in regards to like the, the poverty, right? Cause I, I, I do want to touch on this, like a, 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 a big deep change that I have within myself, uh, happened like last year when, um, when I really got the true understanding of like perception. I went over to Angola, Africa, uh, for business. And first off, I never been to Africa and I ain't never seen that many black people in one location at one time, bro. It was like, I, I imagine that like for like, you know, anybody in America or whatever, like I said this before, that was like Disney, going to Disneyland, you know what I'm saying? For me, cause it's like, man, this is, Man, this is crazy. But the the level of just how much we don't truly realize how fortunate we are. Uh, the thing that I like to say is we're so fortunate that we're able to throw away other people's highlight reels. And what I mean by that is um, over there, I would see the average person, you know, that is like a police officer or works, you know, they bring in about the equivalency of a hundred. 130 USDs a month. In one month, you make $130, bro. Think about that. So it's like when I when I really saw like how they are on the street and, and over there, like you wanna you wanna give because you're like, man, every everybody, bro, but I'm telling you right now, they 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 come from everywhere and it'd be too much. Yeah. So you you see why like over here what we consider to be homeless, like you realize and you look at like uh, America is something much more greater. Like they, they tell us like the elites of the world is like the 1% wealthy. No, if you live in America, you are a part of that because at the end of the day, like you, you have more access to anything than any of those people over there in that world will ever. You, you can go out to eat every night if you want to. Yeah, you Understand? absolutely can. Yeah. Um, 
because that was you know I, I in Mexico too. I, I watched this happen. I watched somebody be given like I mean, it was two or three hundred American, and like don't get me wrong, like three hundred bucks is not chump change. But let's be real, and in, in in the United States, three hundred bucks doesn't go very far. That was like months of income for this family. Like this was going to make the next few months of their lives easier. And this was a large family. I think this was a family of how many kids did they have? I think it was a family of six. Like it's a big family, and two two or three hundred American dollars went super far. And but at the same time, this family was insistent that we stay and they feed us all. And we were we were a big group because we were traveling. It, it was uh, I was traveling along with my girlfriend at the time, and her family's originally from that area of Mexico, so I I got to tag along, which I also recommend if you can do it safely, like if you can travel with locals. Go to a place where the only for the for the for the white viewers. Go to a place where the only white person. It will it. You need to do it because if you've lived in the United States your entire life, um, yeah, you're not used to being the the uh, the fish out of water, so to speak. So it's it's worth, especially it's bonus points if you can go somewhere where it's not English, it's not the spoken language. Because I know, I, and I know way more Spanish now than I did then, but I knew enough to, like, casually get by, but I got into trouble a lot. So if I'd been traveling by myself, I would have been, I'd probably be dead, but I would have been screwed. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a very, it'll, it'll shift your perspective, and I highly recommend it. But Angola, so why were you in Angola? Why were you in Angola? Uh, I was in Angola for, uh, to look to, start doing business and expanding in, in just other regions. I, 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 I had the, um, uh, the idea I was thinking about potentially looking at things they need like solar energy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went over there just to be able to kind of like get a feel for just everything. And bro, it was amazing. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. Uh, and, and, and it really showed a level of like humility um, and just more appreciation for the things that I have. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was cool. And uh, I, I made a lot of connections, a lot of people. And yeah, I see myself, you know, doing business and stuff over there, helping out to like bring them more up to speed. That is that's awesome. Yeah, that's totally cool. I haven't been to Africa myself either, um, so that was that's it's on the bucket list because there's a lot of, but it's it's hard to pinpoint where to go in Africa because it's I blame our education system. Africa gets crunched into this sort of not even an umbrella because it makes it seem very small in comparison to how large it actually is. Like, and North Africa to even slightly more south, like middle of Africa, might as well be two different continents in terms of the cultural diversity and then all the way down to South Africa. Like it's 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 really hard to put into words unless you've been there, I imagine. Bro, like first off, I just want to say like if you've ever traveled internationally, you going over there and realizing that you can't just pull up to some restaurant that you do here, like yeah, that is a place where they have like in Angola, all they got is a KFC, 
and some other local stuff. That's it. Like none of your favorites are over there. Even in like when the the airport that I landed in was in Qatar, Qatar. Like everything is just different there, bro. Like they don't even, bro. <laughs> they don't season their food at all. I just want to let y'all know that right now. Like the the their 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 quality of food is just completely different than ours. But you know that's an that's another topic. But yeah, bro. It's just it, to be able to see that that like oh wow like it's areas where they eat the same thing every day like every day but they really live in close to more of like their roots that isn't to say that they are civilized you, you know what i mean yeah yeah just that, yeah but it, it 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 definitely would just show you that like literally you can be anybody you want to because like hmm, I, I always use it in this and i turn it back over to you I always use it in, in this sense of like you really got to look at sometimes like when people be praying and they be like, oh, God, save me. Like, it's like you ever heard that story where like God sent the the boat and then he put this and then he sent the helicopter and body's like, man, like, God, I drowned. Why you didn't save me from the storm? What do you mean? I sent you a boat. I sent you this. I did this. It's like people be praying and, and really be in that sense. And this is no disrespect to nobody who subscribes to religion or anything. I'm just making a comparison analogy. It's like, God be like, listen, um, you saw yourself do it. You saw yourself achieve it. You know that it's possible. So evidently, why are you asking me for something that you already know how to do or you already know how to answer to? There's people in the world that really need me to probably come focus on them. So that's where the prayer is going to go. So get your shit together. You, you, you so you've me? already got it. Yeah, I, I 100%. Yeah. Get it one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I I love it. And I, I'm definitely the future looks glorious. Um, but I will say Mexico is definitely next on my list though because I haven't been there. Um, but I've been to like St. Thomas and stuff like that. Oh, down in the Caribbean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mexico. Mexico's tricky though because I mean there there are definitely places you can go by yourself, but because I've been I've been to Mexico twice. I went to Cozumel and I went to uh, down to Michoacan, uh, in and around the city of Morelia, which if you know, you know. I didn't know at the time, but I was I was actually picking up cabinets in Chicago one day, and a lot of their uh, a lot of their warehouse crew is uh, from Mexico, and apparently some of them are from Michoacan. And I was just casually talking to one of them, and he was like, "Why the fuck were you in Michoacan?" I was like, oh, I was there with uh, with a family that's from the area. And he was like, bro, do you, like, you know that Michio Khan is like one of the biggest cartel areas, right? <laughs> I was like, no, I thought that was Sinaloa. He's like, oh, no, Sinaloa. Definitely. <laughs> He's like, but appara- apparently at, the, at that time, uh, Michio Khan was a very uh, dicey place. And I mean, I was told common sense, like, don't go by yourself at night. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere by myself. I don't speak the language. I'm not like, I like to explore, but I'm not stupid. You know, I'll I'll go plenty of places, but I even, even when I traveled to Europe, it was the same. Like, I can't believe you have to tell people this. It's like, you're not at home. Don't go by yourself anywhere. You don't know where you are. You don't, you may not speak the language. You may not know the, 
customs or the right things to do or say. It's just not a good idea. But some people apparently have to be told that. But um, I had a point. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So um, Mexico is tricky because Cozumel, don't get me wrong, had a good time. But it wasn't really Mexico. It was a resort sort of thing. Like the vast majority of that trip, I may as well have been in the United States. Because I was just surrounded by other Americans. And even the people from Mexico spoke English. So it was kind of... And, but when I went down to Michoacan, like that was real Mexico. Like I'm not being hyperbolic when I say I was probably the only gringo for like at least 50 miles. <laughs> I didn't see another white person the whole time I was down there. So like if you can travel to Mexico with someone who is from the area, I would highly recommend it. Provided that area is not Sinaloa. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even for there, though, like, I, I just, I really look at it, like, when you ghost anywhere in the world, you just truly have to, like, don't be a fucking smartass. Don't be a smartass. Yeah, ass. that's true. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, know that, like, you want to, if you don't already know of the culture, you want to learn from the culture. And then you'll be Absolutely. good. You, you learn from it. But there are just some people that just, they don't get it, like. I said I was in St. Thomas, right? My my son's mother, I don't know if it's their cousin or friend or family, we we're on these carts and we we're going down the hill and he was eating these this food and he there were like three black dudes standing on the corner and we rolled up to him and he said, Hey, any of y'all, hey, y'all want this food? Like anyone y'all wanna know where the trash at? He was like, Bro, uh you want me to kick you, you kick your fucking teeth out your mouth? It was like, bro, what are you doing? Just because they standing on the corner, they don't need your food. Like people just got to realize that like you in America and you see stuff like that, that don't mean that they're living like that. You yeah. Know what I'm well, and here's the thing though, even if they are, it could still very well be an insult. Yeah. Like it's what the one thing I did find that I loved about Mexico, at least the areas I've been, is it's like they get a kick out of it if you at least try to speak Spanish. They get a real kick out of it. They appreciate it. Um, so I would say also, I don't know if you speak any Spanish, but if you're going to travel to Mexico, at least learn a little bit. That would be my recommendation to people because they really they they get a kick out of it. They love it. <laughs> even 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 Hispanic people here, I I love dropping Spanish on job sites because they don't expect it, and everybody gets a kick out of it. Absolutely love it. But now what's oh, funny yeah. because. My, well, because my girl, my girlfriend is from Nicaragua, and her English is—we basically only speak Spanish with each other. So, now, like, I was just picking up cabinets on Thursday, and the guy uh, in the warehouse, Hispanic guy, I couldn't understand what he was saying. So, I, I there's a word in Spanish, "mande," which is basically like "huh" or like "what." What did you say? And I said, <laughs> I didn't even think about it. And just, instead of saying "what," I said "mande," and he was like. Oh, just going all it's giving me all the instructions in Spanish. I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I understand you right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so if you're, which I recommend that to everywhere because I traveled to France when I was in high school and at the time I was fluent. Um, I was shocked how many people went on that trip and were not, they were not equipped to speak French in France. And they a lot of people just kind of assumed that everyone was going to speak English, and unfortunately, most people did. I wouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately for them, 
most people that they were interacting with did speak English, but in Europe's a little bit different, you know. You can in most European countries, I think it's a pretty safe bet that at least a at least a lot of people are gonna speak English. But mm. I just found that to be incredibly rude of them, which maybe that's just me, but I think if you're gonna travel somewhere, you should at least attempt. Like I'm not saying you have to be fluent, like I would love to go to Italy, but I don't speak Italian. But I would learn some basic phrases, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just, it's just a respect thing. A little respect go a long way. It's like I think that's what it is ultimately. It, it, or, or don't or don't get mad though. Like don't get mad because this person speaks a certain type of way and they're they're actually trying to speak your language and then it's like I don't understand what the hell you're saying. Well, do you not hear the accent, bro? I mean, yeah. Struggling. Yeah. So yeah, most most definitely, which I think that rule applies anywhere in the world. Because even if for purely selfish reasons, like it's just for your own safety, just <clears throat> just show a little respect. It'll it'll go a long way. It might keep you alive. Oh, because that goes to what you were saying earlier about like you never know how somebody feels. Like they could be really doing bad, or they could be ready to just tear tear somebody into pieces. So it's like. Don't risk your life. Be smart. Yeah. Well, actually, Justin just said, I love Duolingo because it teaches you just enough to get around. I I agree and disagree at the same time because I love Duolingo. In fact, I was on my girlfriend's case for months. So I was like, you need to start doing I know you're taking English classes, but you need to start using Duolingo. Duolingo is fantastic if you're trying to learn a foreign language. The secret is one lesson per day. That's like it'll take you between two and ten minutes, depending upon how, where you're at, and, because as you do the lessons, they get more complicated, but, oh, Duolingo is fantastic, like, if, if you need to cram, especially, uh, it's, it's a, it's invaluable, and it's free, so, you have no excuse. Yeah, people like to play games, they like to play games, and, and that makes it even more interesting to be able to learn. Yeah, it really, I'm, I'm kind of shocked how good it is, because I've done like, I did Rosetta Stone a couple of years ago. I, more mm -hmm. than a couple of years ago. I did Rosetta Stone a long time ago. And I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it, the experience. Like, I guess I was like, I guess you can learn from this, but it's not very fun. You know, it kind of feels like work. Whereas, it's like you said, Duolingo is like, it's modeled after a game. And then they have, I, I totally get the psychology they have, because there's all these achievements you can get, and they have leaderboards, and they try to make it a competition because if you follow other people's progress, it shows you how you stack up and you're just like, oh, if I do one more lesson, I can take them, you know, I can overtake them. I totally get the psychology. But I feel like that's an example of where it's done positively because they're taking that, for lack of a better word, they're taking, yeah, they're taking, for lack of a better word, they're taking that manipulation of the human brain and the dopamine receptors. But the end result is you're learning a foreign language. As opposed to buying it. Now, they do sell a premium product, but you don't have to buy it, which is what I love. I absolutely love that about Duolingo. And they don't block you. You can do as many lessons in a day as you want, although I only recommend one. But Because I find that if you do more than one a day consistently, you get burnt out on it. Like most things, if you obsess over it too much, you start to lose interest in it. But I digress. Well, we've been going for... About two, almost two and a half hours. You want to? I, I was going to say, yeah, that's when you know it's a good podcast. 
I don't know. I'm I'm game if you are, but I know you've got things to do and your time is valuable. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because I know you were, we can do some rapid fire questions. So I know you uh, mentioned philosophy as well. I know I'm putting you on the spot and it's a hard question to answer, but what's uh, not necessarily your favorite philosopher, but what's your favorite, uh, what did you call it? Like philosophical idea or of your favorite philosopher that you find yourself constantly going back to? Man. That's for real put on the spot there. Yeah, I know. That's hard. I'm going to say this because I don't want people to look at me as like, oh, no. But I am. I'm my favorite philosopher. You know what I'm saying? In in a sense, because it's just like, I I don't know. I'm going to be personal with you. I, I really don't like to read, bro. Like, I do. We all read a lot. I don't like to read. I'd rather watch movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I learned something from that. However, though, I really, I really do like the teachings of like Neville Goddard. Um, I feel like, you know, individuals that um, show you like the power of the mind. Um, yeah, that's who I would say I would reference to in terms of like from a widespread of your audience that would know um, versus like a person that uh, is, is is pretty profound in a community like a like a like a I don't know. Some people consider Farrakhan, you know, a, a great philosopher, depending on how you look at it. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just going to say. Your first answer is such a philosopher response. <laughs> it's, it's so, like, you said that, and I was just like, every philosophy professor I've ever had would love you right now because they'd be like, you understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that's such a good answer. It really is. I mean, yeah, you, could, you get it. Like, I, I'm a person that I love listening to people. I brought, I would sit here and listen to you for an hour. Is because I, I like to be able to observe another, like the, the way, like I, like what's in your mind. If you're telling me something that means something, like you said earlier, words mean something. So like when you're telling me things, I'm in a sense of allowing you to program me in a way, you know, to be able to resonate with you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. find those things, and and not be like trauma bonding, like the reality TV or that stuff that we're seeing, you know, yeah. like the genuine conversation. And you're feeding good information. So, well, I also have this. It's more of a thought rather than a theory, but it's like I, I true, and I truly believe this. Though I think on a, I'm not gonna say all the time. I'm never much into absolutes, just as a principle. But I would say the vast majority of the time, if you put two people in a room together and they talk for more than an hour, I think it'd be really hard to have them coming out of that conversation thinking less of one another. Yes. than when they came in. I think that that would just be really hard to do, even if they argue. Like, even if they debate or argue about something, I think that would be really hard to, after an hour or two, to have it come out worse than when they came in. Because eventually you just, you have to reach a certain level of common ground and coexistence if you don't have the, op- if you don't have the option to walk away. Yeah. And I think that's something that the vast majority of our leaders would do well to take to heart 
just a thought. But um, it's it's funny though when it comes to philosophers, other than your perfect answer, um, it's funny because I've actually jumped around a lot. It, it's really weird because when I was still in college, I found myself really not so much to the philosopher, but the idea of existentialism. And for because of that, I thought I was a fan of Sartre, but now I can't stand the guy. I think he's just so. I mean, just so wrong, <laughs> but. Um, and then for a while, I was really into, like, Aristotelian teachings. I kind of preferred that over Plato, which in some ways I do. But I always find myself going back to Socrates because I feel like that is just, I, I should say, I hate the phrase I feel like. I think that Socrates perfectly encapsulates the idea of what it is to be a philosopher at the end of the day. Not just a philosopher, but just a thinking individual because the whole sort of premise behind the Socratic method is I don't know. So I'm going to ask you, but you probably don't know either. So maybe between the two of us, we can figure it out. But at the very least, we'll know a little bit more afterward than we did before. Because yep. I've always, I've always been of the opinion that dialogue is more, not only more engaging, but it's also more informative than a lecture. Which don't get me wrong, I like a good lecture, but I think if you're having a conversation with someone, you can both learn a lot more than just somebody regurgitating statements. Mm -hmm. Because a conversation, you're forced to take an idea, think about it, and rebuff because you want to continue the conversation. Even if you agree, fundamentally. You still have to ask. You have to ask for clarifications, or like, well, what did you mean by that? Or really, you do you really think that? Or what does that word mean? That's one of my favorites. When somebody says a word, and you actually have the courage to admit that you don't know what that word means. People are not, they're not going to even admit that though. It's just I ain't most lie. people I don't. Like, no, what, what what is that? that mean? Yeah, yeah, as. I know, because probably, like most people, when you're in college, you're a little know-it-all. At least I was. So back then, I could have been, of course, I know what that word means. Now I'm like, I've never heard that word before. What do you, which actually, I meant to ask you, you, you mentioned the, uh, and I forgot his name already, the, the philosopher. I have not heard of him. Can you illuminate me a little bit on Neville who that is? Goddard. Yeah. yeah. Never Uh He, he... I would say, if in comparison to maybe somebody you do know, he would be like a Napoleon Hill. Okay. So they, they, their philosophies are very much the same. They're probably the same person. But um, they, they put this mindset that in order to see it, you know what I'm saying, as a man thinketh, so shall he is. Like one, one uh, um, another philosopher that I, I, I enjoyed when I first got into the realm of like this type of mindfulness set was Wayne Dyer. And I read a book that he wrote. It was called, um, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. And that, that book was very powerful. I mean, it had a lot of references to the Tao and stuff like that, but that was one of those, those things that I, I looked at it and like, when you trying to figure out like what's the law of attraction and stuff. That is their concept in which they teach. 
Okay. And I'm going to make an assumption real quick, um, which this is why this is so interesting. I, I get the sense that you're not that you're not into any Western philosophy. I get the sense that you're more attracted to like Eastern philosophy. Would that be a correct statement? Uh, in, in a sense, maybe. I, I, I'm always having a hard time answering that one because it's like, it's not even necessary that I choose the information. Right. right yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah, meaning, yeah. I don't mean that as in like, more like only going to see. Yeah. Like you seem to okay. be more attracted to those kinds of ideas that are more prevalent in Eastern philosophy. Whereas yeah. it's, it's funny because I, as an individual tend to be more attracted to, or gravitate toward, not even attracted to, I tend to be more interested in the more Western philosophical ideas, which you would typically see in like Greco-Roman philosophy. Not that I would ignore Eastern philosophy, but I, so like my big thing when it comes to philosophy, a lot of people are really into um, using philosophy to find truth. And then you get into the whole rational versus empirical arguments for the most part, that really doesn't interest me because I think you can, it depends on what you're talking about. Cause like you said, there's, you know, sort of more cerebral knowledge, which would be more in line with things you can observe and measure. And then there's that innate knowledge, which rationalists claim is the only thing you need because that's the only thing that's real. Um, I'm more of, I really, really enjoy studying like the ethics of or the philosophy of ethics in like, so my, one of my favorite things to say is it's like, I'm not a very religious person. I'm not going to say I'm a full blown atheist or anything like that. But to me, religion is almost secondary when it comes to ethics, because I'm one of those people. I've seen it. There are people who do not believe in any sort of higher power. It does not motivate them. And yet these are still people that do incredibly good things or have done incredibly good things. See, to me, like, I'm not even necessarily saying that these people are wrong, but there are many people, like, on the religious side that say there is no morality without God. And I'm just over here, and I'm like, well, no, that's not true. Or at the very least, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Because there have been, there have been plenty of people that did plenty of good deeds, and they didn't do it in the name of a deity. Now you can make the argument that maybe they only had that ethic in the first place because they lived in a Judeo-Christian society, and that's kind of like, yeah, maybe, but now you're now you're digging a hole that we can't get out of because in order to prove that true or false, you would have to prove the existence of God true or false, and that's what we're... My whole point is that that's secondary to this argument. But, yes. um... So, like, I'm a big fan of, like, Kantian philosophy in that, you know, most people claim to be utilitarians, and that, you know, the, the, the needs of the, the least amount of suffering for the most amount of people, that kind of thing. But I don't know if you're familiar, but Kant would essentially, I find myself more in the Kantian camp more than the utilitarian camp because, you know, Kant would use the example of, you know, if, if you can, um, if you can eliminate all the suffering in the world, but the only thing you have to do is torture one person. Is that morally right? Now, if you ask a utilitarian, absolutely. The ending all the suffering in the world at the expense of only one person? Like, absolutely it's worth it. 
But I think if most people actually think about it, yeah, it sounds great unless you're that one person. Now, the difference, though, and this is where Christians have a field day with this, which I get it, is where you bridge that gap is when, or as, as Kant would say, when you have a Christ-like figure who willingly, like if that was the secret to ending all suffering in the world, and you had someone willingly become that person that needs to be tortured, that flips the whole thing on its head. And that's what I love thinking about and pondering, that kind of stuff. Um, like I, I see what you did there. See what I did there? Yeah. I didn't do it. That was calm. I can't take credit for that. And technically, Plato did it first, but Kant took the idea and made it a little bit more refined, which Kant was very much a Christian, so you can see the parallels there. But, I mean, it makes sense. And it's just kind of, I guess, the point being, which is funny because we see it in pop culture all the time, you know, that the impossible choice of the hero all the time is like, which, which decision is right? Because it's never perfect, but... You can even see it in our own history, you know, go back. Uh, there's uh, another person that I kind of got connected with on YouTube. Mr. Mark explains history, love his channel. He just, he's doing a, a series of videos about the cold war right now. And he just recently covered within the past couple of weeks, you know, the dropping of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, you know, that's not the age old question, but a lot of people still debate on like, was that right? Or was that wrong? And there are, I'm not even going to get into it because there are arguments for both sides. But that essentially, you can't really answer that from a, I guess you can answer it from a utilitarian perspective, but you have incomplete data because you don't actually know how many people would have died had they done an actual land invasion. So you have incomplete information. So what you're left with is wrestling with more of the Kantian idea of and it's it's not a clear answer because it depends on your perspective, but is that justified morally speaking? And that's why I, I love pondering ethics because it's almost, it's very me because you can almost never come to a conclusive right answer because it very much depends on your perspective. But one thing I have found about ethics is most people and cultures will agree there's a set few things that are just undeniably wrong, generally speaking. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Like, most cultures have rules against stealing, for example. Most cultures have rules against cold-blooded murder. You know, and I find that absolutely fascinating, that as a species, as to however many different cultures or religions we've had, we always seem to come up with definitions of what's right and what's wrong. may not necessarily be universal, but sometimes there are almost universal you know, things that we all have in common. Because <clears throat> people people think that the things that they feel, they they actually think it's real. Or or not necessarily it's real. It is real. Let me correct myself. They think that it's facts just because they feel a certain way. So it's I like, just yeah, I just read a quote yesterday and I cannot remember, but it was it was essentially that Oh, I wish I could remember because it really, it really hit me. I'm like, oh, that's so true. But it was just like that. It's like most people, something to the effect of, and this is not a direct quote, but something to the effect of most people, you know, react to their feelings as though they were being told the truth. Hmm. 
So I wish I could remember because it was really good. It was much better than that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And we see it, unfortunately, we probably see it daily. Where it, you just you just kind of wish you could talk to some people and be like, listen, it's it's not that bad. It could be way worse. Yeah, it could be way worse. And we all really in the same boat. So it's like people really think that there's a gray area. There's no gray area. There's no in the middle. It's either is or it isn't. So just like that, you ever seen the dark night? Oh, yeah. I was on the boat and then they, they had to had a key. Like, hey, you gotta blow up this boat, you don't blow up this boat. At midnight, somebody shit just blowing up. But then they end up just throwing the trigger away because it's like at the end of the day, like, are you really gonna take that moment to end another person's life? Can you really live with it? You know there may be instances where you have to stand on business, but it's like, can you really yeah. can you really will you really? And that is a Kantian ethical dilemma, which is one of my favorite scenes in The Dark Knight because of that. I was like, oh, they're going Kant on these guys. And see, what, what I, I think part of what, it's not the fault of the movie. I just think people forget the fact that, you know, it's, they forget that as far as these people are concerned, if they don't press that button, everyone's going to die. So a utilitarian person could easily say, well, if I push the button, at least half of us will live. And yet, in the movie at least, which I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that would happen in real life. I, I think both of them would have pressed the button. Yeah. But uh, at least in the movie, both sides agreed that, I mean this metaphorically, that their soul was not... Their life was not more important than their soul, so to speak. And that, I think, is... Uh, I think that's a moment that really gets passed over. Because it is such... I mean, it's a damn good movie, but that moment really does kind of get overshadowed almost immediately by Batman pursuing the Joker after that happens. So It's, it's a masterpiece. I, it I, really I, is, yeah. I think Chris Nolan is one of the... One of, it's one of my favorite uh, directors, for sure. Uh, yeah. It, it, movies, they really grasp your mind. They have so much more messages behind them. Well, and you know, you yeah, well, and that's the beautiful thing about Chris Nolan's movies is because they are, which I haven't watched Oppenheimer yet, it's on my list. I'm really kicking myself for not watching it yet. I'm kicking myself for not seeing it in the theater, but I would imagine it's very much the same way. You have to think when you're watching a Christopher Nolan film, but he makes his movies in such a way that you really can't help but pay attention because you want to watch it, which as complex as some of these ideas are, that, that, that's saying something. Like to actually, like again, watching Interstellar again, it's like I didn't want to look away. It's, I don't, I don't know what it is, but then, uh, and then even, even some Chris Nolan movies that I didn't love, I still appreciate. Like, um, I don't know if you watch Dunkirk. Um, but again, yeah. giant, uh, giant history nerd. I, it was a beautiful attempt. It just didn't really, which again, I don't know, I don't know how big of a history nerd you are, but I don't, I don't know if it bothered you, but like, for example, um, that beach should have had way more people in it, but Christopher Nolan insisted upon using, uh, can't remember. I, I think they had to do some CG just for safety concerns, but he tried mm -hmm. to do everything practical. And that is a case which I will I will 
contrast it with another historical film, which I think is damn near perfect. Um, they really should have, since they couldn't get enough people, they really should have digitally added some more soldiers because it looked like it was bare. And because it looked like it was bare, it didn't really drive home what an actual miracle the Dunkirk evacuation was. Because they, I can't, I, I'm not even going to go into the numbers, but they way over exceeded their goal by leaps and bounds. Like, I know somebody's going to correct. I, I think their goal was to save 50,000, and I believe they saved like 300,000 people. I don't know if the numbers are correct, but that's the sort of scope of how it was. And then contrast that with a movie like um, Midway, for example, which it used CG to enhance certain scenes. But in terms of accuracy, that movie's damn near perfect. Like, it gets virtually... Midway, midway yeah. It gets virtually everything right, and it's not super boring. So I was I was very there's only one thing about that movie that I didn't like and it's at the very end and I don't let it ruin the movie for me. Um, but yeah, watch it if you haven't. You'll 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 see what I'm talking about. I guarantee yeah, you. What, what's the uh, what's the plot of the of the movie? So it is literally telling the events leading up leading up to and the bulk of the movie is actually the Battle of Midway. But it starts at Pearl Harbor, and then it goes through. Um, the very true story of basically the intelligence gathering, because at, at that point, after Pearl Harbor, um, the Pacific fleet wasn't completely decimated, but they were on limited resources, shall we say. Um, so they were basically doing everything they could with very few ships other than their aircraft carriers that were still reserved for the Pacific fleet. And at one point, they had partially decoded the Japanese military code so they could read parts of messages and they were able to piece together a lot of information, but it was still somewhat guesswork. So they knew there was going to be a target, but they didn't know exactly where it was. And so it shows the intelligence gathering where they determine that it is the island of Midway, and then it shows basically the battle as it took place, almost verbatim. Actually, pretty much verbatim. Yeah, the battle's pretty well flawless. And there are moments in the movie that seem like they're like Hollywood, like there's no way that happened, and it like, it actually, like, there's one moment where a Japanese bomber tries to bomb one of the American aircraft carriers, and it doesn't, it doesn't succeed, and then it gets wings, so they turn around to crash the plane into the carrier, and a, um, basically a gunner, or not a gunner, one of the mechanics jumps into the back of a plane, where, because in, in those older fighters, they had the pilot up front, and then they had a gunner in the back, so there was a machine gun that could be raised up. On on the on the uh, on the dive bombers, and he grabs his gun and shoots the plane down. And the plane, as it's going down, wings the back of the plane he was in and almost causes it to go off. Like you'd think to yourself, there's absolutely like that's that's Hollywood. It actually happened. The guy's name was Bruno Guido, and uh, they play that scene exactly how it happened in real life, including his subsequent promotion immediately afterward. Mm. It's 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 a really good movie. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I'm tell you right now. I don't know if you do like those movie reviews on your YouTube or not, but bro, you'd be fucking good at it, bro. I I've done I've done a couple. Um, we did. Uh, no, no, I've done a couple. I still need to do a couple. My problem is I don't have enough time. <laughs> I try to fit it in. But I still have a couple reviews I need to do. But yeah, um, I absolutely loved Midway. 
Um, it was, as a history nerd, it was very much appreciated. And it's a good movie. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want historical movie recommendations, I got I got quite a few for you. They're very, very good. You should, but, you should do that, bro. Like, you should definitely do that. I'm I'm still floored. I'm still floored that because I did a uh, on on the first podcast we did the average intelligence podcast. Um, my co-host was sick randomly, and I had just so happened to watch because in 2022 they did a uh, a remake of All Quiet on the Western Front, and I just happened to see a special screening before it got put on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh no, Biggie, I'll just review that. It was. It, for a while, it was our highest rated episode. It was our most viewed episode ever, and it's still in the top four, I believe. And I just thought that was wild because I didn't like. It was such a it was such a niche movie that I, I can't believe that that many people tuned in. So that was very humbling, and I was I was see, proud of that one. See, the answer is always in front of you. I just didn't. I didn't think anybody would care, but I'm like, screw it. I want to. I want to talk about it. And then we did our review of Top Gun Maverick, which I thought was going to get hell. Like it got decent views, but I've seen bits and pieces of that movie. Oh man, Top Gun Maverick was so good. I was scared. I thought they were going to screw it up, but it was actually better than the first one. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. What what sort of movies are you into? I love all movies. I I I study the craft so much because. Reading a book and watching a movie, that is the equivalent of, for me. And um, um, like I said, Interstellar is my favorite. Oh, my man, favorite. I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I love movies. I absolutely love movies. Yeah, what's your, what's your, what's I, I your favorite? Like, oh, you said Interstellar is your favorite. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love a movie, and this makes me weird, but I think you'll agree. I love a movie that I come out of the theater with a headache. Because I had to think so much. I know a lot of people hate those kinds of movies, but I, like I'm not gonna lie, the first time I watched Inception, I gave myself a headache because I was trying to figure it out as it was happening. I'm not a very good casual observer. <laughs> I'm not very good at just watching things. Yeah, that's why you gotta you gotta look at that stuff. I mean, entertainment, not entertainment. It's like, oh man, this movie is really good. Like when you really see the plot behind it. An- another one that I really love. Is uh, Shutter's Island? You ever seen that? No, but I've been told it's. I've been told it's very, very good. It's a good one. Yeah. Have you ever seen? Uh, I love telling this story. Um, have you ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Hmm. Oh, dude, you'd love it. But um, so f- fun fact: when I was in, when I was in, I, I went to. I didn't finish because I ran out of money. But I, w- I went to college for film, uh, motion pictures, and video specifically was my uh, degree path. And I took a, uh, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was basically, I took it because they were like, hey, we're going to watch movies and you have to discuss them. I'm like, cool, I do that in my free time. Might as well get some credit for it. Except all the movies I'd seen, like the first five movies were dog shit. Like they were awful. Like they were chores to sit through. So then I get this, this movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, starring Jim Carrey in a serious role. And I just went, eh? So I thought this was going to be another snooze fest, but I had to watch it because I have to discuss it, and they're going to know if I watched it or not. So I put it in, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking weird, just like I thought it was going to be. And then about not quite halfway through, but close to the halfway point, 
I clicked what was going on, and I just went, holy shit, this is amazing. So I actually stopped it and started it over again because I was sure I missed something. It's, oh, dude, it's such a mind-bender movie. You, you'd love it. I'm, I'm going to check that out. See, yeah. I love Jim Carrey, too. He's a good, good actor. Yeah, it gave me an appreciation for his uh, serious roles because I didn't really, I didn't take them seriously until that. And now I, Jim Carrey's so freaking talented. It's Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And it's actually, it's funny because Mark Ruffalo's in it before he got like super big. And uh, Elijah Wood plays this really just smarmy, just, it's weird because I always, I always associate Elijah Wood with Lord of the Rings now, but I forget that Elijah Wood has had some really seedy characters in his in his resume and he's such a little piece of shit in this movie it's weak to see he's such a little creep it's it's hard it's it's hard to watch him i mean some 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 people you know just have who they like when it comes to actors but i i remember you were telling me about uh the bat was it batman or were you talking about the the guy that played batman um What's his name from Twilight? Oh, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you were kind of giving me that story. Oh my! Uh, so okay, half of it is real and half of it's kind of a joke that I just do for my own amusement. My, my hatred of Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, if I ever met the guy, I would tell him absolutely, like the whole thing. Like, I wouldn't hold back, but. People don't seem to understand, even though I think it's obvious. Half the reason I keep bringing it up is because I'll say something, and then people just try to eviscerate me in the comments, and I just find it entertaining. They're like, wow, you guys really care so much what I think about Robert Pattinson, someone who I've never met, and who would give her. And you, you, like, you, you care that much. I, I, I'm fascinated by that. But I do, I do maintain that I... I I mean, just being honest, I don't think he's a particularly good actor. I think he's, I don't even know how you describe it. I, I really, I disliked him. And then when that article came out, uh, after he got cast as Batman, but then the pandemic happened, there was an article I read about how he refused to work out during the pandemic because he wanted to, like, quote, not uphold, like, body image stereotypes or something. And I'm just like, bro. Just say you're lazy. Like, don't don't justify it. But I'm like, I'm so, sorry, not sorry. If you play Batman, you gotta work out because nobody's gonna buy a skinny Batman. And then and then he later said, "Oh, I was just joking." I'm like, "No, you were not just joking. You got a call from your agent that said the studio is gonna fire your ass if you don't have a six pack and put on at least." 15 pounds of muscle. And then for somebody who claims to not care about the money, you sure rip that Bowflex or whatever it was out real quick. Cause I'm telling you, you don't gain that much muscle in that short amount of time without steroids or a lot of motivation. I mean, you gotta look the part. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like, and I understand the sentiment, but that's the point. It's like, could you imagine if Henry Cavill was a beanpole when he was cast as Superman? Nobody would have bought it because it's it's Superman. 
Superman is not a normal person. Batman is not a normal person. It's not promoting a negative stereotype because these are not normal people. It would be one thing like... Uh, like, if you were just playing, if Robert Pattinson got cast as an average Joe and the producers were like, oh, you really need a six pack for this role, then you could, you know, make the case and be like, eh, do I? Because this is just a normal, everyday guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sorry, Batman? Mm. And see, and see that, that's why I say you should do, you know, the review thing because it's coming from a place where it's not even like you're downing this person it's just from your love of loving movies like i do you being able to watch a good flick it's like bro you gotta sell me on this it was that you gotta play the part and i i was one of the few yeah i was one of the few people because we did do a review of the batman and i was one of the few people i to this day i don't it's it's not a good movie guys it's not it's it's actually quite bad i don't understand like and I, I even preface with maybe I'm missing something, but nobody's been able to tell me what that is yet. But like everybody loved that movie, and I'm just kind of I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's really not that good. In fact, parts of it are downright bad. And and I, I still maintain if somebody can illuminate me as to why the Batman is a great film I, I will absolutely listen but nobody's been able to, nobody's been able to properly illuminate me thus far I mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind of hard to play when you know you have something like the dark knight i don't think anyone can really top christian bale as as the batman even okay. though people people hated him like they hated the whole voice thing they hated but it's like bro that shit was nice you know it's, it was hey, it was at least different, and he was the first actor since Kevin Conroy who voiced Batman and Batman the Animated Series in the DC animated universe. It was the first time an actor had two different distinct voices for Bruce Wayne and Batman. So I appreciated it. It did yes. come off it did came off it did come off a little goofy, but hey, at least they were trying, you know. Um, but I I, I gotta say, frankly, what was your opinion of Batfleck? Batfleck? Ben Affleck is Batman. <laughs> oh, uh, I was just about to bring him up because they put the voice on him, but I'm like, it was terrible. Like that voice, but he had in the Justice League movie. I'm like, are they serious right now? Like, but they they were going with yeah they they were going with the incarnation. And I've I've seen this. Um, it's not as well known um, to people that aren't comic book nerds, but. There are iterations of Batman where he uses a voice changer as opposed to just changing his voice, which I'll be honest, I don't prefer because Batman is somebody who studied things like ventriloquism, so he can absolutely throw his voice. He's done it in many, many times in many, many, you know, different forms of media. But I was actually a big fan of Batfleck, not going to lie. I, I, I don't think they got to execute their full vision, though. But I and but at the same time, what's that? I said, I think Ben played a better Bruce than he played Batman. See, that's the thing, though. That's why I, I that's why I'm a big fan of Ben Affleck as Batman because to me it seems that everybody who's played Batman in in live action was either a really good Bruce Wayne or a really good Batman, but never the two met. But I think you can make a case for either Christian Bale or Ben Affleck depending upon your preferences. 
Because, like, for example, like, to, I, not to, I know a lot of people hate this movie. I hate, love this movie, but Batman and Robin. Well, to be honest, I think George Clooney did a really good Bruce Wayne. I agree. I, I think agree. it was a, I think it was a shit Batman, but but I think he did a really good Bruce Wayne personally. I still don't know mm-hmm. how I feel about Michael Keaton. I mean, everybody looks at Michael Keaton and playing that part as the legend. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I would say he would be more like the Clooney. I just think he was a better Bruce. But I, I agree. See, I, I think I'm in that camp. Yeah, and to me, though, to me, like honestly, I think Christian Bale's Batman is the best Batman in live action. To me, and this is like it, it's so not such a big deal. But to me personally, I think his Bruce Wayne left a little bit to be desired. Although I did like how it seemed like he was playing the part, like he was he was acting out the role of Bruce Wayne because that's not who he was. You know what I mean? Like he was playing the billionaire playboy. Because I'm a big fan of the the, the the idea that as far as how Batman views himself, Batman is who he really is. And Bruce Wayne is just this part that he has to play. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while. Like, Bat- Batman is his real self and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Du- dualistic type of perspective. But, yeah, well, but there's... Was also though. What's that? He was also an asshole, though. <laughs> oh yeah, Bat- Batman is an asshole. But actually, one of uh, I don't I don't know I don't know if you watched uh, any of the like DC animated stuff. Um, but I don't know if you've seen Batman Beyond. Yes. Okay. So I forget the name of the episode, but it's the one where um, somehow Shriek gets a audio implant on Bruce. Somehow I can't remember how he does it, but he's hearing voices. But Bruce knows he's not crazy. He knows it's not. Him insane. He knows that there's voices, but he doesn't know what's causing them. And then it comes out that, you know, he was right all along. And then Terry finds the whole microphone behind his ear, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the episode, Terry asked me, he said, just how do you know that you weren't crazy? And he said, it kept, the voice kept calling me Bruce. That's not what I call myself. Mm. And then Terry's like, what do you call yourself? And then Bruce just looks at him and he's like, oh. It's like to me, that's Batman. Yeah, that's that's Batman to me. Which Batman? I, a lot of people sleep on Batman Beyond now. It was super popular when it was on, but like, did you hear? I don't know if you heard this. I only re- heard about this recently. Apparently, at one point, Warner Brothers was uh, talking to the studio that did uh, the Spider Verse movies, the Miles Morales Spider Verse movies, to do an mm-hmm. animated Batman Beyond movie, and they scrapped it. Yeah, I have heard something about a movie that was potentially in the talks. But yeah, I mean that would that would have been nice. I ain't gonna lie. With all the, with all we've seen so far with the Batman, you gotta have that one because it's like y'all playing it out at this point. That would have been so cool. But speaking of which, man, the, I will admit when I'm wrong. So when I first saw Into the Spider Verse, I did, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really care for it. I was I was kind of like this is like it's good, but I, I was like I don't see why everybody thinks it's amazing. Clearly, I didn't understand what they were doing. But then I watched Across the Spider Verse, and it was like I instantly understood what they were doing. And I'm like, holy shit, these are masterpieces! 
like in every way. The animation is gorgeous. I didn't again. I didn't love the animation when I first saw it, but I now very much appreciate it. But oh my gosh, what they're doing is just—it's pure genius. I cannot wait for the next one. And those bastards are making us wait. That was the the worst cliffhanger ever of all. Oh, it was funny, man. We're we're in the theater because we talked about it. It's actually one of our. We had a couple of shorts go viral from our review of uh, Across the Spider-Verse, which thanks, YouTube. Um, and that was the thing. Like we're sit I'm sitting in the theater with my co-host, and I'm like, this has been on for a while, and this doesn't seem to be wrapping up. Like, it was kind of like, how long is this movie? Like, not that I'm complaining, but, you know, because I, I, was, I was all for it. I was there for it. But and then they hit it in on that cliffhanger, and I was just like, no. <laughs> damn it. And then they and then I learned that they hadn't even really started the animation for the next one yet, and I was just like, oh no, uh, yeah. I don't like, people with that. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be waiting for a while, but uh, I mean, that movie and then Spider Man No Way Home pretty much proved that I mean, it honestly. These days, if Spider-Man's in it, you can just print money. But that doesn't hold true with Madam Web, apparently. Madam Web? Oh, uh, I knew that was going to bomb before they even released it. Everybody knew it was going to bomb before they released it. I think the only people that didn't know that movie was going to flop was, you know, Sony. What would you say would be your out of that style category what's your favorite what do you mean like um if you had to pick like one in between like are you you watch marvel movies at all oh yeah Marvel. okay like dc and marvel like what would be like your favorite side of that but is it dc or is it marvel which is probably going to be marvel because dc is both terrible but yeah like, yeah your favorite out of the lineup when it comes to the movies marvel um, I want to love the DC movies so bad, but they just keep fucking it up. And I don't understand how. <laughs> it's all there. It's all already written down for you. It's I I, I just it's very frustrating because I'm a when it comes to the comics and even the animated stuff, I'm DC all the way. I'm a huge DC fan, so it's very frustrating for me. And, like, take, for example, Shazam. I don't know if you saw the movie. Shazam, yeah. Yeah. I love Captain Marvel. Like, Captain Marvel is one of my favorites. I think in terms of, like, the concept of a superhero, having a kid that transforms into a superhero is freaking genius. And there's a reason it was outselling Superman for years. Because the only thing kids love more than an indestructible guy is an indestructible guy that's actually a kid. <laughs> And I was so, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to live up to my expectations. Like, I understood this. Because, I'll put it, this is how you can, you can understand how frustrated I am as a DC fan. Because my two favorite, my two favorite superheroes of all time are Captain Marvel, Shazam, and Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which I, st I still defend the Green Lantern movie. It was not nearly as good as it could have been. It could have been. 
it could have been way better. In fact, I, I point to people, if you're a Green Lantern fan, you've probably seen this already, but what they should have done, DC made an animated feature, Green Lantern First Flight. They should have just made that a shot-for-shot shot remake because it was way better. It was a way better story. Um, I actually liked Ryan Reynolds as uh, Al Jordan. I know a lot of people were like cutting it up, and I'm like, no, that's that's pretty solid casting. I mean, you could have... I heard at one point they were talking with Nathan Fillion, and that would have worked too, but I mean, don't get me wrong, Ryan Reynolds is a way better Deadpool. But Yeah, way better. Which, by the way, are you stoked for Deadpool and Wolverine? Uh, yeah, I want to see how that goes. I I actually haven't even finished part two. Oh, really? Mm-mm, I didn't even finish it. But uh, I, I do want to see that that combination. Oh man, I think I think it's gonna be if they because this is this is a Disney production. If they just get out of Ryan Reynolds' way, it'll be fine. Which it looks like they are. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, knock on wood, because I, I the first two were awesome. Deadpool one is a little bit better of a movie than Deadpool two, but Deadpool two is still it's 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 exactly what you want from a Deadpool movie. I hope they do a gag in this one though, because the the gag in the first two Deadpool movies are how Wade forgets his gun and ammo bag somewhere. And the joke is because the studio cut the budget. So they had to give him an excuse to not have all the guns. I hope in this one they just do because it's Disney and they have more money than the United States. I hope they just have this giant scene where he uses every single gun imaginable. And the joke being like, this is what working for a real studio feels like. I was I would say that Deadpool is the most entertaining out of all of them. Um, I think the one that has like the most success out of side of like Black Panther and like Iron Man, uh, Iron Man's. I, I feel like everybody wants to be a Tony Stark. Like, you know what's like, funny? Yeah, you know what's funny about Iron Man though, because the, and this shows how much time has passed. Because Iron Man came out in what two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. That seems right. <laughs> Somewhere around it. Yeah, I think 2008. When when I heard they were making an Iron Man movie, my honest reaction was, who wants to see an Iron Man movie? <laughs> yeah. Because this, this was before Robert Downey Jr. was announced. That was just literally after they are like, oh yeah, now they're making an Iron Man movie. I was like, well, they definitely, mar- they definitely milked the X-Men well. You know, so I, I guess they're, I guess they're getting desperate. And then it was announced, like, then it said they were making a Thor movie. I was like, who the hell wants to watch a movie about Thor? And they just kept... They they just kept making banger after... Like, they made an Ant-Man movie that was good. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the MCU is kind of crappy now, but, I mean, back in the day, it was like... They, they could virtually do no wrong. I mean, there was nothing that was, like, awful until I would say until post-Infinity War, there really weren't any bad MCU movies. Not that I can think of. I'm sure there might have been one or two, but like it was really I think I think maybe Captain Marvel was the first like 
overtly bad one that I can think of. Captain Marvel? Decent. It was good. Was it? I don't think it was terrible. It was good. It was very, very good. I think I like I like seeing women. I like seeing women like in the image of like what they used to be, like in terms of warriors because they're already warriors. They're unconditional lovers. I like that. I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm down with that, dude. The, the reason I got frustrated with Captain Marvel is because she was basically invincible. You know, it's it's the old Superman problem, except she didn't have a kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, ooh, that's a good point though, because there she don't like they didn't put nothing in front of her, like no sort of EMP or nothing like that. She, nah, nothing. And I, I guess in a way, because like you can make the argument, the same argument about Wonder Woman, but what I loved about the first Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was the shits. Don't watch it if you haven't; it's terrible. But the first Wonder Woman was really good because, and I point this out all the time, you know that movie is a case where anytime they have a female lead and it doesn't go over the world, they just say, oh, well, these guys, people just hate strong female characters. That's not true. I don't Because Wonder Woman was a fantastic movie. But I point out, you know, Wonder Woman is a virtually invulnerable, you know, demigoddess, right? She cannot be realistically hurt by traditional weapons. But she's traveling with a group of three men, or four men, sorry, I forgot uh, there's four of them, four, four other soldiers, and at no point are any of them relegated to being useless. They work as a team. They all have different strengths and skills, and at no point is any of them emasculated or made useless or the butt of a joke for more than a couple of seconds. You know, just... To me, that was a really good way to show like a super powerful being working with mere mortals in a way that was respectful for all the characters. You know what I mean? Because it's very easy when you have a godlike character to everybody else just to become insignificant. And they do a really good job when they have interactions with like Batman and Superman too. Because it would be very easy to be like, oh, well, it's Superman, so, you know, what's Batman going to do? Except I maintain that. Batman's actually beaten Superman more times than Superman's beaten Batman. Like, scoreboard. Very intelligent. You know, so it's uh, that was my biggest gripe with Captain Marvel as a movie. And the plus the fact, too, this is a personal preference. I don't like, I call them tweener movies, where, and this was the case with Wonder Woman 1984, is nothing in that movie matters because we are ahead of it in the timeline. So, in in the case of, and you'll see what I mean here, because I'm going to use Wonder Woman as an example. You know, we get our first introduction of Wonder Woman in uh, Batman v Superman. So we know, first of all, we know that Diana is alive in the 21st century. We know she's alive and we know she's around. But then we get, we don't know that much about her, so we get the first Wonder Woman, which tells her introductory story. So that's fine. But Wonder Woman 1984, and then we get Justice League. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. So we saw where Diana was, and we know where Diana is. So then we go to this random point in history where the status quo can't change because we've seen where she is now. So you can't change anything, certainly not any way 
and, and they do because she gets this new set of armor and she gets powers that she never had before. She gets powers that she doesn't have in Justice League, <laughs> you know, and then it just all mysteriously disappears. And it actually flies in the face of what they established because in Batman v Super, it's either Batman v Superman or Justice League, where she says after the war she disappeared. Like Diane actually mm-hmm. says this to Bruce, and then we go to this movie where not only is she not, she hasn't disappeared, she's flying around a shopping mall in full superhero getup in the year 1984. So either Diane is a liar or they've completely retconned the character without telling us. And Captain Marvel does the same thing because she gets introduced in, um, she gets introduced in Endgame, right? I'm thinking about that, right? Yeah. Endgame. Yeah, Endgame. Yeah. I think it's Endgame. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's Endgame, yeah, because Infinity War is the last one, right? No, it is Infinity War. She gets introduced, right? So it's reverse, yeah. Because it's yeah. whenever they, they all got, they all disappeared. The blip, that's when she showed up. That's right, okay. But then they have, you know, it's funny because it's very much the same formula, but for some reason, to me, it just didn't work as well. Or I guess you could say that, I guess you could say actually a more accurate statement would be uh, Captain Marvel is the Wonder Woman 1984 of the MCU, where you have a story. Well, no, it doesn't take place in between the events. That's live, that's live podcasting, pal. But uh, I guess my point is, I to me, the movie didn't work as well as it absolutely could have. But I think the issue is Captain Marvel is presented as invincible. And, I mean, they even kind of, they don't intentionally poke fun at it, but they kind of do when, you know, I think it's at the beginning of Endgame, everybody's like, where were you? And she's just like, well, it's a big galaxy. And I'm kind of (laughs) like. Yeah, she out there saving the universe. Yeah, but when the guy that can wipe out half of existence is on Earth, you should probably go to Earth. Just a thought. I feel that, but that, that you know, that's almost like that. That's what you said earlier about man. You got all these many people, but you gotta, you gotta torture this one person. It's kind of, it's kind of like that. She's probably like, well, I let this bigger war that's going on die for you know what I'm saying. Like y'all, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, enough heroes. I get it, but but speaking, but speaking of Invincible, have you watched any of Invincible the series? Invincible, no. Oh, that's a good one. Invis- it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. That's oh, that's one. that's a good one. If you haven't, because um, I can't remember if the last part of season two just dropped or not. I need to look, but oh, it, season one of Invincible is just like Chef's Kiss, perfect. It's so damn good. Oh, now I'm now I'm really about to watch it. Yeah, no, it's it's very good. And I, I've liked season two, but it's weird because it seems to me like there's been a budget cut, but I know their budget didn't get cut. But it seems like cheaper animation. I could be wrong, but to me, season one looked better. I don't know. But yeah, Invincible's really good. 
I thought that like, um, well, one, I love the storyline in the Flash movie. Like, I thought the storyline and some of the stuff that they were showing you in that movie was super deep. But the one movie that I feel like nobody really messes with like that, that I thought was really good was the Eternals. Like, the, like they need to make another one. The Eternals was that they it's like that was the juice. That was amazing. really. I heard. I haven't even seen the Eternals because I heard it was so bad. Man, bro, it's like there's there's so much in there, and it and it takes place right right before Thanos is about to do what he do. So it's like when you talk about a storyline, it, it's so good because it's like exactly with Marvel, her going away. Thanos was coming to wipe everybody out. The Eternals are the gods. They're there at the same time he about to blimp everybody, but they trying to stop the world from being destroyed because it's a celestial that lives in it that's about to emerge. So it's like super deep. See, that was the that was the that was the number one critique I heard about the Eternals is like, well, where were they when Thanos showed up? Which I guess that is that is the problem when you have such an expansive universe, though, is you will inevitably run into that sort of issue. And it's like you can make the case even in DC films because it's like, um, was it the first or second? One of the Shazam movies, Black Adam shows up. I think, it's, yeah, it's the first one, I believe. It's like, where's Superman? But actually, that's why I love the DC animated movies more because they... They just, frankly, they do a better job because in the in the Shazam Captain Marvel movie, Black Adam shows up, but Billy has just gotten his powers, so Superman shows up to help him fight Black Adam because in a world where Superman and Captain Marvel exist in the same planet, that would make sense if you have some superpowered being come down and start breaking shit. Superman's probably going to show up. If he does, in fact, live in the same place, you know what I mean. You would think. I think that the, uh, I think the first Aquaman and Black Adam are like two of their best movies in a while that they made, and then they is like they really shit on the Black Adam, but then the Aquaman, Aquaman was just good, like. And there's a funny thing is nobody ever respects Aquaman, but it's like he had the best movie out of everybody in Justice League. Like that first one was oh, nice. Man, I I disagree. I I hated it. I thought it was so what? bad. I thought like it was more so than the second bad. One. I haven't. I didn't even watch the second one. one. Yeah, the second one is not. The second one is kind of like. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But like the first one. Was Really good. Trying to think, um, and if you like the Flash movie, you would really like the um, the animated one they did, Flashpoint Paradox, because they kind of, which I did, I didn't like the Flash movie at all, but that's I really dislike. Um, oh gosh, what's the uh, the actor's name? That's sad. I can't remember, but I I, I really. I really dislike his portrayal of the Flash. Um, but yeah, Flashpoint Paradox is... It's a really great story. And the animated movie they did... I don't love the art style that they did it in. I will be crystal clear. It's a little bit too... muscly for my liking. It's very, very stylized. But the 
story itself I really, really enjoy. So if you if you liked the concept of the Flash movie but didn't so much love the execution, if you watch Flashpoint Paradox, you you'll enjoy that. It's pretty damn good. It's dark though. It's real dark. Like, I like that though. It oh shit gets real. Like it's it's it gets dark. Um, and if you also like dark, probably this is probably the darkest. This is probably the darkest. Certainly DC animated. They did Justice League. Um, is it Apocalypse? Apo yeah, Justice League Apocalypse War. I think. Like. Well, it's not even a spoiler alert because they take care of it in the beginning. Like everybody dies. Like I mean, it's it's dark. It's it's real. It's good, but it's dark. Like that's a movie that stresses stresses you out because like everything that can go wrong goes wrong, and it's just it's really rough. It's a rough watch. It's like that's like the the one with Superman. I don't think it, I can't, the title I can't remember if it's Red Sun or if it's the other one, but he, uh, they show like he was down in the cave and they and they turned the red lights on and it, he was facing the Batman. They got that annoying ass Eskimo hat on. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was Red Sun. Red Sun, oh boy, he, boy, he whooped Superman so crazy, bro. It was like bad though. He did he bad. Oh, Red Sun was so good. I love that yeah. movie. That was that was really well done. It's like, are they really showing Superman get destroyed like this? Like he was like, mm. yes, they are. Yes, they are. It's okay, Superman won. Superman wins in the end. But yeah, man, Red Sun was good. I I cannot recommend enough the DC animated movie. In fact, my favorite Batman movie of all time is a DC animated movie. Um, Batman Under the Red Hood. That shit's good. I I watched that, but I can't really remember too much of the plot of that one. But I it's uh, yeah, this the second Rob. It, it's basically. I mean, it's it, it starts out with the death in the family storyline with Jason Todd dying, but then it it's two separate storylines that are linked. They just smush it together in a movie. So you got death in the family, and then uh, the Red Hood. Where Jason Todd gets resurrected by Rachel Ghoul and goes back to Gotham as the Red Hood. This is is really good. It's really good. So, other than superhero movies, what 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 other movies do you like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I like to laugh, bro, too, as well. But I know I watch most of it, like I said, for more entertainment. But I like. Like, I love the wedding singer. Um, it's a good. Saying, that is a good. It's a good classic movie. Um, you know what? The other day, I don't know what drew me to it, but I started watching uh, Sausage Party. Dude, bro, bro, I was watching. I'm like, I seen it before, but it's like, yo, they, they just. Didn't give a damn in this movie. Like they going in. I don't know. I don't know how it got made. <laughs> I don't know how they got a studio to sign off on that idea. They had to have lied to them. There's no way. But but it is actually watchworthy though. Oh no, it is. It is yeah. like 
there's people that claim to hate that movie, and I'm just like, wow, you just do not have a sense of humor. Like, yeah, too. this movie's hilarious, but but I can see how it's off-putting for some people. But I mean, that shit's funny, and it's not just the end that's funny. The whole movie's hilarious. Yeah, no, no, that's what I like though—a movie that keeps you engaged because it's like they was going crazy within the first five minutes, and like especially in this day and age, people want to be, you know. So I I, I enjoyed it. Um, man, it's it's yeah. so much. Like people get mad at me though because they be like, "Oh, hey, you want to sit? Let's watch a movie." And like, let's watch this. I'd be like, "I seen it," but but I will watch it though. I watch it as many times. Yeah. And don't ask me because I'm not gonna tell you either. Like, I want you to have that same surprise as I did. So, yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have. I, I like movies that I can rewatch, definitely, for sure. There's, like, everybody's got those, those comfort movies, too, where you can just pop it in and, like, you're working on other stuff, but you just need some noise in the background. It's like, you could probably recite it by heart, but I don't know, it's comforting. Movies that'd be so good, they'd be like, man, damn, did I write this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, then, it's then, then there's those. Like my favorite movie of all time is Casablanca, and uh, save for one special effect, and it's because it was from 1940. It's a perfect mm-hmm. movie. There's no wasted motion, and it's got everything. It's got, you know, like it's got romance if you're into that. It's got, you know, espionage because one of the characters is a. Uh, leader of an underground resistance. It's got history, which now, obviously at the time it was current events when it was made. It's got comedy. Like there are moments in that movie that are hilariously funny. And I don't think people give it a fair shake because it's in black and white and it's from the forties. And they just think, oh, this is going to suck. It's like, no, it's a really good movie. In fact, one of my favorite lines in it is uh, there's a police inspector who's kind of friends with Rick who owns the bar and gambling is technically illegal, but they don't enforce it. And uh, he gets ordered, the, the cop gets ordered to shut the place down. And he, he tells Rick, he's like, I have to shut this place down. And he's like, what for? And he's like, I'm shocked, shocked to see that gambling is taking place in this establishment. And then one of the employees goes and says, hands him his money and says, you're winning, sir. He's like, oh, thank you. That's <laughs> one of the funniest moments in the movie. But anyway, um, Damn, man, three and a half hours. This is one of the longer ones. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a good show, good, good conversation, good dialogue. Like we, I know, man. That's that's yeah, that's that's the beauty. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, though. When you're having a good conversation, three hours feels like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's good to see you. Like, like it's honestly good outside of work to see you just get to be you. I agree. Yeah, because yeah, any anytime you see anybody at work, it's always like it's not even that they're faking it. It's just they're they've got to be in that mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it is 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 very cool. But uh, I definitely yeah, we'll have another conversation off air about your podcasts and projects because I definitely I, I'd love for you to be a part of this. It's yeah, like sure. I, I, I'm digging the ideas. I'm digging the uh, I'm digging the thought process very much. I appreciate you for allowing me just even in your space. Oh man, anytime, anytime. You know, it's like we got a lot of podcasts, so anytime you want to talk about anything, I'm sure somebody can accommodate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we will wrap it up. 
because it's been it's it's been a long one and people might be getting tired of hearing me talk. So um but thank you for coming on. I know it was a little short notice. Like I said, we had some uh schedules change. So I appreciate you making some time to come on and help me film my February episode. I am no problem. And uh, I know your stuff's not up yet, but if you're watching this a little bit later, check the description because as soon as it is available, I'll put the links into that description. And until then, just be patient. It's coming. Um, and be sure to check out the uh, Part of Your Broadway World podcast, like I mentioned in the sponsorship spot. Um, Haley's going to be doing an interview, like I said, with uh, some cast members from Jagged Little Pill, uh, the Broadway tour. And that's going to be on the 28th. So that's coming up real soon. And uh, check out all the other podcasts on the RTA Network. And until then, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Please like, share, and subscribe. Always appreciate it. Help the podcast grow, and we can make more awesome stuff happen. But until then, we'll see you on the next episode.